Hello there, welcome to episode 10 of True Cult Pop. It's a music podcast. It's not a great pitch, but it's accurate. My name's Stephen Hill. I am here. I am all right. I am missing... What game am I missing at the moment? There's a football game being played right now. I think it's like Portugal against Morocco. Why are you asking me? Why am I asking you? You're right. (laughs) Why am I asking you? Why am I asking Sam Slight? Hello. How's your in? Yeah, hi, Sam. Yeah, it's me. I'm well, thank you. How are you, Stephen Hill? Uh, my Probably my third favourite hill I've ever come across. Wow, bloody hell. That after, is something, isn't it? If you'd like to know, after Damon Hill, obviously, great mm-hmm. uh, great, great sports racer. car driver. and uh, Great man, great, great driver. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Grapes Hill in Norwich. <laughs> it's a good hill, that. Is it? Is it is made it, of grapes? Uh, sadly not, no. I mean, it, it would be better. It would be solidly in the number one spot if it were for that. But it does have a Toys R Us at the bottom. Or, well, it did. Well, it did. Those yeah. were the days. Yeah, man, the good what, old days. The days. They're gone the, now, I'm afraid. The mid to mid to late noughties. Heady days back in Norwich, I tell you. I'll tell you what, back in there, it was a roaring trade for Toys R Us back in the 90s, mate. Or even the late, uh, the late 80s. Roaring trade for Toys R Us. It nice one, George dream, Lucas. Dream place. <laughs> yeah, all, all because of George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> but it was, mate, I'll tell you what, if you got taken to Toys R Us, that was a big day. That was Not a big a day winner. in your young life, trust me. And now, you know, they've um, they've uh, they've got rid of them all. They've slaughtered Jeffrey the Elephant. <laughs> elephant? Who's giraffe, I mean, uh, giraffe, giraffe. Yes, sorry, yeah, giraffe. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey the giraffe. Yeah, he's not an elephant at all, is he? I was, sorry, I was talking. To, <laughs> I was talking to. Wait for the clang here. Clang. I was talking to Bran from Mastodon yesterday, and we were talking about elephants. So probably nice. why we get on similar. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I tell you, slit Jeffrey the giraffe's not inconsiderable neck. Mm, lot of neck. Bled out, and now Toys R Us are nothing more. What God, a funny what a weird story. Way to start. What a, what a funny, funny story. story. Stupid story. A pointless, <laughs> stupid, made up, crap way to start what is going to be quite a good podcast, I think. I think so, yeah. It's a, it's a mixed bag, but I think there's plenty to talk about. It's a mixed bag. Look at me going, oh, isn't this going to be good? The arrogance of youth, Sam. <laughs> uh, that's what this is. On the show this week, we're going to be talking about new music from Jamie Lenman, Ooh. Christine and the Queens, Mother yeah. Vulture, and mm. Louis Tomlinson. Plus, both so, Sam and I... Saw steady. Let's not spoil anything. (laughs) Saw clipping live in Bastard concert after having the tickets for a long time, two and a half years, two and a half years. I've been waiting for that gig. Yeah. And spoiler, it was well worth the wait. Absolutely worth the wait. Uh, Okay, listen. Before we go any further, as usual, you probably get bored of this bit, but I've got to do it, haven't I? Go over to our page because it's been drama on our Patreon page. Um, (laughs) uh, It's our Patreon page, by the way. Patreon.com forward slash True Cult Pop is where you can help us out by contributing to the podcast, and we in turn will give you some exclusive content. If you sign up for any amount, you can sign up for our Your Cult Pop tier and he said pledge then tier tier's the right word isn't it mm-hmm. yep thanks yeah, yeah, very yeah. much good confirmed so that is the correct tier gonna get that right every time now and uh you get to suggest a thing for sam and i to talk about and this week come in if you are listening to this podcast the day it comes out and you want to go and sign up because tomorrow you're going to get a your cult pop on the album shame by brad the 90s pearl jam side project mm. which we haven't actually recorded yet but i fear sam it's going to be a bloodbath 
I think you and I are going to have maybe the biggest disagreement that we've ever had. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've heard it is a classic album in the in the waiting. So uh, I, th- I think it's going to be great fun. Okay, well, there you go. He's... Um... I'm lying is what I'm doing. He's, yeah, he's like, I, I'm, I get the feeling you're not that keen on that album. So no, you know, to, to no. be discussed, to be discussed. But anyway, there's plenty over there. You know, recently we've done Kiss. Uh, we've done Idlewild. We've done... Um, Belinda Carlisle. Belinda Carlisle. We've done The Presidency of the United States of America. We've yeah. done Your Mother Earth. Is that what they're called? I can't remember. I Mother called. Earth. I Mother Earth. I, went, yeah. I can listen to them, actually. I, I, I quite like them now. I'll be honest, yeah, the, the further we've got from doing that recording, I actually think, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one. And now that we've listened to another album kind of from the same school of thought and craft, yeah. uh, I'm realising that I, Mother Earth, are actually really, really good at what they do. Right, okay. Well, that's spoiler for so, tomorrow. Yeah, that is a spoiler. Um, I'm not going to do any more spoilers, but uh, you're a grotesquely, uh, you're wrong, and you're a grotesquely, <laughs> grotesquely ugly man. This um, is the one thing I didn't want to happen. <laughs> if you want to up your pledge, see pledge in tier, and get onto the true classic pop tier, that's where we do two classic albums a month. I pick one, Sam picks one. We do a big bumper mammoth extended super long podcast on that it's five pound earth money i've got something got a bit of raspberry stuck in my teeth it Ooh, just came up healthy my, no one needed that yeah i had some raspberries for breakfast what whatever <laughs> <sighs> um how the other but half a bit lives. just sort of got i'm out of my tooth into my tongue and onto your podcast that you're listening to our podcast that you're listening to sorry about that there'll be no more raspberry based um interludes in the podcast hopefully fingers crossed uh <laughs> we did put a special out this week on that five pound tier talking about atomizer by big black went into the history of big black tried to unravel the personality of steve albini not something which i <laughs> would suggest any of you try and do because it's quite a fucking head fuck to be honest mm. and um you know, ended with a big old chat on noise rock. What's great about noise rock? The influence that Big Black had on, you know, the, the genre. And I think, like, looking back on it, I think if I learned anything from that podcast about anything that I felt like I didn't know beforehand, it probably was that, yes, Big Black, Swans, Sonic Youth, they didn't invent noise rock, but they certainly perfected it. Yeah, I and I, I would say sort of almost codified it. They made it a a sort of designated genre almost. You know, they, as you say, they didn't create it out of thin air, but they, they made it what it is today and so influential to so many bands as well. I mean, you know, we didn't even really touch on how it's influenced mathcore and so many of the sort of hardcore splinter genres. Yeah, um, a massively influential album. Um, yeah, if you've never listened to Big Black, I mean, I'd say Atomizer would be the way, uh, the place to start, definitely. Um, mm. Definitely not the Lungs EP. Definitely not the Lungs EP. Although <laughs> somebody did actually tweet us or message us or something and they said that the Lungs EP era stuff as done on the John Peel sessions apparently is really, really good. Now, I have to confirm, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've not heard that. Uh, I've not listened to it. Yeah, I did see that tweet, but it was in the in the, in the late hours of last night as we record um, when I was listening to Swizz Beats and Ja Rule with Metallica. So it was Were to you mu- really? much better music. So. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask you, so there you go. That's um, 
that's what's happening on the old classic album tier next mm. one after that in a week or so very very different change of pace we're going to be doing listen without prejudice by george michael which i'm very very excited to do but anyway um I- i'm hoping that that isn't the song that's been stuck in your head fucking jar rule and metallica to be honest um, <laughs> no that's for next week yeah good, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it is good yeah i can handle it next week but this yeah, week, yeah, yeah too much in it too much absolutely no no this week i've chosen something even more nightmarish as we delve into right-wing populist rhetoric via the way of um post-punk disco i guess yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I have picked um the spectacle by i like trains which was released um on september the 15th this year it's a standalone single um um, it was sort of released in conjunction with uh, the touring they're going to be doing, which is the first full touring they're doing since Compromat was released. They did a few dates last year. Um, I believe they just ended up doing a date at the Brudenell Social Club in Leeds and one in London uh, last December. I was meant to go to the Leeds date, had to miss it, annoyingly. I'm now seeing them exactly a year to the day later in Nottingham, all being well though i've not had Are the best luck i've not had the best luck with gigs this year have i as, as, mm. as i think has been documented um but yeah the spectacle um it when it came out i thought oh this is really cool i'm looking forward to new material and then they said oh this is just a standalone and i felt a little underwhelmed it was like oh well okay i mean it's a nice sort of i guess coda to the compromat era or maybe i don't know maybe sort of indication that this is what the vein that they're going to continue to mine going forwards which i'd be more than happy with because i love that album and it's just been in the sort of last two or three weeks i was talking to my mate who we were meant to go to this leeds date we're now going to the nottingham one i said to him i think are you though well we'll Uh, see mate we'll see tune in tune in on the week of (laughs) december the 16th 17th i think it'll be and you'll find out how livid i am that i didn't get there again um (laughs) But uh, I was talking to him and I was saying, I think apart from the truth on Compromat, this might be my favourite I Like Train song now. I just think it's absolutely brilliant. It um, starts with this t- jagged harmonic riff, a bit like a bit like kerosene in some senses, where it's just a sort of jangly guitar rattling back and forth. And the way it builds up over quite a curt runtime, I mean, well, I suppose it's just over five minutes, but it just keeps layering and layering and it's all held down by David Martin's quite sneering but deliberately so and increasingly frantic vocal delivery that is just these mantras over and over again um one of which surely must be a nod to uh, going underground by the jam i mean in particular there's this i it's just around the sort of second verse although the verses and choruses are hard to distinguish because it all is so many hooks built on top of each other but um, you've got the keep it light and repeat it often. I keep it light and repeat it often. And eventually it will become so natural. You may even believe it yourself. You so the end justifies the means. You'll say all will be forgiven, all will be forgotten. If you keep it light and repeat it often enough, they carve it in stone, they take it as red, and the public gets what the public expects to get because God loves a winner. It's just fantastic. It's a spectacular, besuited, voguing bunch of people on the set of the day-to-day to my ears. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, I really, really like this band. If you kind of remember back in 2020, Compromat by I Like Trains was one of my, I think it was my top five favourite albums of 2020. And I still think, like for me, Dig In. Dig In is the one that's got that kind of like really kind of disco, kraut rock, mm. detached. It's kind of, it feels like a mixture of sort of Sparks and um, Joy Division and Art Brute and 
something else which I can't quite put my finger on at the moment but it's really really good and all of the like you say the kind of definitely portraying a character mm. sneering upper class detached um sort of really really emotionless vocal performance is great. yeah and it does appear that with this song they're continuing down that vein and i mean i don't know much about i like trains prior to that record other than you know is a bit of a departure that record mm. from so what uh, they've done before so i'm kind of i'm kind of this is a good look for them this this style i think so i'm pretty happy that they're continuing down this alleyway yeah i mean alleyway? I avenue i don't know uh what's what's downing street well, it's a street isn't it i suppose it's a street isn't it? This <laughs> yeah street, it. yeah yeah but um yeah I, I, so I hadn't heard of i like trains prior to um them being reviewed on riot act in 2020 <laughs> i do remember thinking god what a shit name they must be awful and hearing the review and i was like oh okay maybe i should give this a listen and i did um and i would like to go on record as saying and please do you know offer up any suggestions you've got any others i think they are the band with the greatest disparity between how bad their name is and how brilliant their music is. I do think at the moment, Compromat is their zenith so far because they're they're pre-Compromat stuff. I'd say it takes more from kind of post-rock than it does post-punk and Mm. and this kind of almost synth-pop leaning that they've really been um, delving into. But yeah, I absolutely love I Like Trains and Compromat in particular and this song, and I can't wait to see them do it live. I'm going to be throwing some mad shapes. You're going to wear a suit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big, big time, time, big time. Yeah, yeah. pink yeah, blazer yeah, and everything, yeah. mate. Pink blazer. I mean, that's the way to go, I reckon, definitely. Yeah, I like this band. I mean, as for the name, sort of said it before, I think if you only liked Trains, surely you wouldn't bother putting how much you like them in the name of your band. You must Non-ca- like, more than like, isn't it? Sure, I think I've said this before. It's more than like, isn't it, surely? Mm. You must really, if they were called We Really, Really Like Trains, I would go, well, evidently you've named your band after them. And then I'd sort of, I'd probably let it go two years later. But they love, they love, they clearly love trains. Non-committal. That's what I don't like about them. Name your band after something that you're sort of just like, yeah, quite like them. You know what I mean? (laughs) It'd be like me calling my band, I like steak flavoured McCoys. (laughs) Yeah, well, I do really like them. Um, I like the, I like occasionally seeing, uh, are you being served on gold on a Sunday? Because <laughs> I know when that comes on, they go, oh, okay, I'll watch this. But not enough to name a band after it. I'm sure there could be a good sort of, I don't know, grindcore band with Mrs. Slocum incorporated into the name, couldn't there? Probably, yeah. 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 Answers like a, on a postcard. Uh, more like a, a sort of um, porno sludge porno band. grind, yeah. Seth Putnam would have done it, Mrs. wouldn't he? Mrs. Slocum someone's God. done that before haven't they? but that is a sort of, the sort of thing that those people like to do that's you putting filth in people's <laughs> minds Steve <laughs> no definitely <laughs> uh, I went for something slightly more uh, knuckle headed let's mm, be perfectly honest about yeah. it a bit more of a kind of straight fist to the face I picked the song Switchback by Biohazard which is the second song from the fifth album by the Brooklyn crossover crew, Biohazard. Uh, the album is New World Disorder from 1999. And I'm going to say it now. I think that's the best. Oh, I know. I think that's my personal favourite Biohazard album. Oh, okay. Right? Now, 
I know some of you 90s metal uh, aficionados would be going, what, Urban Discipline? Which has got punishment on it, which is, you know, definitely their biggest song. And I do like that a lot. But this one, I think it's got the beefiest production of their career. Dom Lawson gave it 5Ks back in the day in Kerrang. So, good lad. You know, he probably would remember. And the reason this came into my head is because recently Biohazard have announced that the classic lineup of the band, which is Busy, bit Busy, Busy <laughs> Graliday, Billy Grazady, I should say, and Bobby Hamble on guitar, Danny Schuler on drums, and of course, Evan Seinfeld on bass and lead vocals have reformed and they're doing some European festivals next year. Oh, lovely. It was, it was only really a matter of time, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Everybody reforms at one point. I did think to myself, like, oh, I would like to see the original Biohazard. Now, they're, they're not a band who get that much kind of props these days, I don't think. But it did make me go, I'm going to go back and listen to Biohazard. And I think there's plenty in their early 90s stuff. And I actually really like Mata Leo from 1996, which is the best year for music ever anyway, isn't it? Um, that I think is really good as well. But I really do like New World Disorder. And I remember getting this album and the one-two punch that opens that record, uh, which is um, Resist and Switchback. Particularly, I was always like, "This is that's an amazing like seven minutes of beefy, brutal, sort of rappy groove hardcore it's really really good and um this is that isn't it? it's an almost kind of new metal-y riff it's almost a sort of soulfly il nino and just a big load of powerful stompy loveliness i mean i don't know how you feel about biohazard as a band sam um biohazard generally i'd say i'm quite a fair weather fan i think i've heard most if not all of their albums at least once um the only one i actually own um the the time I sort of first investigated Biohazard would have been just as Reborn in Defiance came out, which um, oh, to be wow. honest, I've, I've not gone back to. I don't know if that's considered quite a poor effort or if it's kind of considered a middling one. I have got that one in CD. I've probably not listened to it since maybe early 2013. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like what I know of Biohazard. Um, I think it's funny because it is so knuckle-headed um, and just brutish. Those, you know, caveman riffs and the the wrapped sort of gang vocal crossover appeal of it but i really like them i think it's great because you know they actually stand for something that they genuinely believe in so it's hard to begrudge them some i don't know sometimes quite clunky lyrics you know about sort of the difficulties of i don't know suburban life in well <laughs> kind of eastern uh, northeastern america and stuff like that i i like that i think they're cool and I think this one is a really, really good song, actually. I definitely heard this before. When it started, it was like, ah, yes, I know this one. But um, since we did the Around the Fur classic album a fair while back, and you were telling me to get more into Helmet, I was like, that sounds a bit like a Helmet riff. And I was quite yeah. pleased to see that I'm not absolutely mad because um, this is the one album that does feature uh, Rob Echeviera of Helmet, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a really, really good, uh, really good riff. I love the way that uh, Billy and Evan's vocals seem to trade off each other. You, you've got a s slightly more gritty kind of standard hardcore performance from one of them, and then you've got the more wrapped hardcore performance from the other. It's cool. There's some great rhyming couplets on it. Uh, Corrosion has a way of fucking with your sanity. I've got to do... I do what I got to preserve my humanity. <laughs> Fucking Switch brilliant! Switch back! <laughs> Switch back. Yeah. And also, the, awesome. I love the gang vocals. Like, Conversation will break you down to it your very so last song. Beat you down, tear you down, break you. It's yeah. fucking, it's fucking great. 
I mean, yeah, I, would, I, th- I would say this one is definitely dated, but in a in a, mm. a charming way, definitely. Like it, there have been ones we've covered. Um, well, I did um, uh, selfish by um Keith now Mina Caputo last week, and it was mm. like I think that one's held up really well. This one definitely sounds like it was written and released in 1999, but that's not a problem. It sounds of its time, but in a really enjoyable and charming way. I think this is a really good song, actually. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to go back and listen to the rest of the album again later today. I would, I mean, Biohazard back in the day were so good live as well. I mean, I saw them at the now defunct LA2 before it was the Mean Fiddler and then was just a f- fucking tube station like it is now. Um, I saw them uh, and I went to a signing session um, in Metalheads in Camden and they took my ticket and they didn't, none of them even looked at me. They just took my ticket <laughs> and carried on to it. And it was like, you know, you normally think like, oh, I'm going to get to meet the yeah, guys in yeah. the band. They just like took the ticket and they signed it and they all carried on talking to each other and gave it to me. And then later on that evening, uh, I went to the gig and Billy used to get on, he, on the, he used to stand up on the crowd, right? So he stood up on the crowd and, um, he stood i was right i was on the barrier mm. and he basically like i dislocated my shoulder and he fucking stood right on my shoulder and it kind of popped out and sort of back it, it just crunking around while he was stood in it and it really hurt and i had to go back to the doctor and get my arm put back in a sling the next day Ooh, and i interviewed hell. him uh, yeah i know it was horrible and i interviewed him um earlier this year for something for metal hammer and i told him that and he found it really funny. So <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was really funny. He sort of went, oh, sorry about that. And I was like, yeah. well, you know, it wasn't strictly your fault. You were doing the thing that you you were meant to do. But it was on like the second song as well. So I had to sort of mm. stand there like clutching my shoulder. But Biohazard used to be fucking awesome live. Really, really good. And, you know, I think the strength lies in that gang vocal mm. to vocalist. You know, Evan, like say, tends to do that. Like... And then Billy will come in. Yeah, and I think like those two things together, they're really cool. I think, you know, like, look, a biohazard, this amazing, artistically minded, incredible, unique original band. No, they're just loads and loads of fun. And they make you want to break you down, tear you down, break you. They do, they make you want to do that. So, you know, fucking fair play to them. I, I actually was like, I'm definitely going to go to those Biohazard shows. If they come to the oh, UK, yeah, yeah. I am 100% going to go and see Biohazard. I'd they're, definitely they're, go to one. They're, yeah, they're really, really good. Where so, do you um, reckon they'd play as like a headline off date? Do you reckon they're Underworld or do you reckon they'd be like Electric Ballroom? Sort of I, think, I, th- I think if the original lineup, which is what this is, came back, I think they got to do the sort of i think the electric ballroom You'd hope for ballroom, too much you? to ask yeah for them to do the electric ballroom i tell you what there was a show they played the garage day before oh, monsters crikey. of rock 1996 they played the garage supported by fear factory oh blimey in 96 god that would have been a good that would have been a very yeah. good night yeah crikey yeah, right, like, like a, a kind of secret because bands used to do like oh we're going to do a kind of small show as a festival warm-up the day before and yeah Biohazard and Fear Factory in 1996 at the Garage, which is like, what, 500 people? Yeah. Yeah, it's 500. I mean, I I think, well, the first time I ever went there was for uh, Fucked Up on Dosey Dreams. Um, mm. Yeah, and like that that was a room of 500 people that felt like it could probably only hold about 400. So yeah, Biohazard and Fear Factory then at that time. Lovely stuff. Have a bit of that. Yeah, would go. So there you go, Biohazard. Go. I mean, if <sighs> hopefully I've inspired some of you old fucks to go and listen to biohazard 
Who knows? I tell you what, though, that was the past and the future, or the present at least, I should say, really, even though we've waited two and a half years from it, for mm. me, is clipping, who yeah. are maybe the best thing making music in the world at the moment. The best collective of people oh. maybe creating things in this day and age. Definitely on the podium. At I the very are. least, at the very least, yeah. Um, yeah, clipping are amazing. And, well, like you. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing we were both due to go to that Islington Assembly Hall show that never was. Um, yes. Yeah, been waiting a long old time to see them. Um, so I'm very glad that we both did. Um, I saw them at the Dome on the Wednesday night. Steve saw them at Fabric on the Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at it, it, it was the same set list. Um, so I think it's basically just going to be us talking about how brilliant clipping are. Almost song by song, I would have thought. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know if you want to shout out the support bands or anyone that you saw yes. during. Uh, yeah, I, w- I, I would like to actually. Um, yes, it's a woman called uh, Jessica Winter. Um, it was just her on stage. Um, super, super stripped back backdrop. I mean, it was basically just a kind of almost like a photography studio square with sort of lights behind it and stuff like that. Um, just her and a laptop, sort of a lot of, you know, triggered samples and things like that. And then, oh, and she did have a synthesizer and would sort of improvise some, well, I don't know if they were even improvised, but play some bits live alongside the tracks and whatnot. Um, I thought she was really impressive. Um, she's got an amazing voice. She could hit some incredible notes and had a really, really good range. I thought she was a really quite sort of, charmingly meek performer there were points where you could tell she wanted to go sort of full art pop star but didn't really quite have the confidence to it all kind of strength of her own convictions to carry it off but i thought that was really sweet and um she seemed overwhelmed by uh, a really really positive response from the audience i thought jessica winter was awesome that night um really enjoyed her and i mean how do you follow that you follow it with one of the greatest bands currently active uh did you catch either of your supports i did i saw both of them actually uh i saw a little bit of evic shen who was kind of a noise dj okay uh it was just a lot of noise lovely just a a lot of me yeah i don't i I won't really feel it to be honest I also saw Max Tundra. Now, Max Tundra is an interesting character. It's Ben Jacobs, to give him his real name. Mm-hmm. Um, and Max Tundra is his, is his like, his stage, stage name. Um, he has done a load of different remixes for various bands over the years. Uh, Pet Shop Boys, Ooh. Franz Ferdinand, just to, to uh, I think he did a remix of the KLF as well. Um, it toured with Hot Chip. And he's like a kind of one man hot chip if they had some sort of mental breakdown <laughs> uh, uh he also interestingly and he was selling this on the merch table as well produced the comeback album daphne and celeste save the world by daphne and celeste Crikey. Uh, in 2018 now i've not heard daphne and celeste save the world but having seen max tundra live now i might go and listen to that because i always had a bit of a soft spot for daphne and celeste and the fact that they took all them bottles of piss mm. straight to the noggin um <laughs> back in the day when they were on the, the main stage at reading and didn't give a fuck just sort of did it i was like yeah i kind of respect you um so i might go and listen to that actually i'm, I'm kind of thinking i might do that max tundra one of those artists that you kind of I respect more than I actually want to listen to. It was okay. kind of 8-bit glitchy Commodore electro art pop 
with this really sort of nerdy white jewish guy fronting it like very much living up to the sort of stereotype of being a sort of white middle-aged nerdy dude right okay and playing quite weird music with it it was kind of deliberately i I guess it's what you would call or what would have been called hyper pop Mm. um but it was like a really sort of aggressively oblique strain of hyper pop like there were things that attempted to be hooks within his music but fuck me were they buried in a load of just very very odd noise um i can't sit here and say that i enjoyed it at any point really i did look at it and go he's very original and he's got Mm. a hell of a lot of ideas running through his brain but I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> like, I yeah. really, really don't want to listen to this. Impressive um, rather than enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and impressive. I mean, the sort of thing that it's only impressive if you really kind of decide that that sort of thing is impressive. I wouldn't okay. even say it's impressive. Do you know what I mean? I don't think somebody going beep, bop, but I have an owl for a pet. I have beep, and you go, well, that's impressive. I mean, I'm not even sure it is impressive. No, I think what it is, is is just like kind of very, very interesting. And I think he is an interesting dude. Um, But to be honest, would not watch again. Okay. Fair enough. Sounds sounds like I looked out on the support then. Might be better in... Well, I mean, the clipping actually gave him a real big shout and they were like, we're massive fans of him and stuff. You know, he's been putting music out since the 90s. And oh, okay. I have heard the name. So I was like, oh yeah, I should watch that. But yeah, I was kind of... I was... I don't know. Like, clipping interesting, aren't they? Because on one hand, you've got this really quite oddly danceable music because mm. uh, David Diggs and David Diggs given like hooks in places where you just can't imagine there would be hooks. So I was kind of hoping for some sort of alter- like excellent young upcoming alternative rapper and instead I got this <laughs> sort of old bloke much much, <laughs> much more leaning in on the like you know the 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 sort of weird yeah noise art pop sensibilities of the things that clipping do. But I think that just went to highlight how fucking awesome clipping were like no shade on max tundra as an artist but um yeah i didn't need to to be in that space particularly but clipping just fucking incredible i thought i waited so long to see it it was packed and it was like at the dome fabric was fucking packed absolutely rammed like i had to basically bully my way to the the middle so mm. that i could get somewhere to hear it. and i'm kind of glad i saw it because they have a really really good sound system they really sounded do. amazing really did sound amazing um i'm interested to ha- what it was like in terms of the amount of people that were there at the at the dome so uh the dome is very much um sold out i mean it was it was a full room um I, I've always tended to find, uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if I've ever been to the Dome when it's been sold out before, but um, it always seems quite sort of sensibly populated, like it wasn't oversold or anything. So we were stood near the back because uh, my, my friend, good old Harry Davis, um, little shout out for you there, because he told me off for not shouting him out last time I went to a gig with him. So there you go. Uh, but it's not about to... you, mate, this podcast. You absolute wanker. But um, he wanted to go and get some merch. So we were sort of stood near the back. And then we just kind of, you know, enjoyed watching it from the back because there was a pretty good view. And um, 
it felt like it didn't matter where you would have stood because it is categorically the best sound I have ever heard in that venue. It sounded unbelievable. There were so many points where, you know, Jonathan Snipes and William Hudson were doing their um, well, live programming, essentially, and you'd get these bass throbs just cut through the kind of wall of noise and everything, and you could just feel everything inside you vibrate. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it was pretty full. Um, probably the front three quarters of the crowd were proper going for it in in whatever way they deemed fit so i think we both had a a curiosity stroke expectation before we went to our respective shows it was like how much of it's going to be like rap fans or hip-hop fans and how much of it is going to be sort of strokey beard people and i'd say it was about 60 40 strokey beard at our one which is not necessarily a bad thing you know you enjoy gigs in your own way that's absolutely fine I'd say it was about 60-40. Uh, I mean, what was the makeup like at Fabric? Uh, it, it was 100 to zero of strokey beards, pitchfork. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people, yeah. people like, like, I guess, like me, really. I mean, yeah, it was. It was, and probably not, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was the um, the kind of noise, electro, hipster mm. crowd element was kind of 100% of the crowd which i might wonder if they were not necessarily disappointed but maybe a bit sort of taken aback that um the show didn't completely lean into that i mean it certainly wasn't you know noisy and electronic all the way through but it was a lot of hooky material i mean we we got the same set list and basically of a 16 song set list half of it was from their existing addiction to blood and half of it was from oh sorry half of it was from addiction and visions of bodies being burned so eight of the tracks were from mm. the two latest albums but then everything else was a little bit of a kind of run through of i suppose the best of clipping i'd have to say mm-hmm. the best of clipping. <laughs> Definitely um, the best. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah a couple of songs from wriggle uh three songs from clipping the self-titled um ep i believe that is um mm-hmm. one from the clubbing remix one from mid city one from splendor and misery and uh i think we'll get to the cover a bit later but there was even a cover thrown in there which was um uh, it took me aback I like. I mean, it was it was it was great. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was fucking. It was it was fucking great. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, it was amazing. They sort of they came out and nothing is safe. If if you said to me like write a clipping set list, I would want to start with nothing is safe because I think that is like that ding 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 ding. It's like it seems like oh yes live set here up. they are yeah uh here they are and it was it was fucking wicked and they sort of elongated it before david diggs came out and when he came out i mean he did pretty much, he did all of that live as well do you know what i mean like yeah i'm so phenomenally impressed with him as an mc just in general but seeing him do it live and you know that there's there's a lot of material from there that i thought in my head wow i feel like i've listened to this enough i feel like i know all the words to this but then when you actually go and see him do it and you sort of try and keep up with it it's like mm. you, you can't i had exactly the same thing with, can't keep up with this man he's fucking absolutely ridiculous i mean yeah needless to say my kind of i guess my my big highlights were the material from um visions of body being burnt and there existed an addiction to blood those are yes. the, the ones that i would say were my favorite so the opening of nothing is safe and la mala or Dina was both amazing, but then they came. Baby, don't sleep. They mm. played third, and oh, I mean, we we did get a different set list in that case. I Sorry. think we did get yeah, a different yeah. set. I, list I, I thought we had the same one. 
Okay, no, I think we did get. Um, I think we we did because we got two songs from Splendor and Misery. So we got Baby Don't Sleep, and then they ended with a Better Place, which yeah. I thought was a re- like a great way to end it. I mean, you know, since I've got into clipping, I have gone back and um, and done everything. I mean, I particularly like Shooter and Riggle. I think Riggle is, you know, it, I, I obviously hadn't heard that before. Um, I heard uh, there existed an addiction to blood. I hadn't heard that, but going back to and being like, oh, well, they're going to play their older stuff, and going back to particularly Riggle. I mean, when mm. the clubbing EP came out, was it earlier this year or right at the end of last year? I think it was earlier this year, wasn't it? I think yeah, I think it's earlier yeah. this year because they're doing it so, as a sort of series of remixes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So clubbing when that came out, and we, you know, didn't review it at the time, or whatever. But I did listen to it, and I remember thinking like, oh, you know, this is this is pretty good. But Riggle is the one where I was like, that's fucking so great i think you know to be honest they've got a pretty bulletproof back catalog but mm. shooter and wriggle i thought were both amazing um you know work work from clipping was brilliant as well i thought um a better place was a really really cool way to end it but it's shit like you know the show check the lock check the lock yeah say the name fucking amazing oh, blood of God. the say fang. The name. Yeah, yeah it's so so good um and yeah, it was just it's just amazing, you know. Seventeen song set, pretty much no dips in it whatsoever. No, I, and no real respite at all. Like it just felt like they got in, kind of got it all done and got through it. But not that's not to say that it wasn't sort of a charismatic set as well. Because I think, um, you know, David obviously is doing these incredible things on stage, and then you know Jonathan and William at the back make, making these incredible, really quite abrasive but also hooky sounds. Um, to back it all up um the three of them working in tandem it, it, it still felt what while the music's quite terrifying there was something about the certainly at the dome the stripped back nature of the stage setup where it's basically kind of a few strobe lights some in red some in blue and then i mean jonathan snipes and william hudson just in jeans and t-shirt david in jeans and then a kind of like big sort of bomber jacket type thing it, it all felt very, I don't know, very grounded for these three supremely talented people. And when David would sort of talk to the audience in between songs, like kind of as the uh, as the noisy backdrop was sort of coalescing into the next track or whatever, um, it just seemed like he was having a great time. They seemed like they were really enjoying it, which mm. for, you know, technically challenging and, well, kind of challenging to listen to music, you don't necessarily expect. And I would say, actually, having seen the three of them now perform live doing everything that they do live um if i'm not going to say clipping are the best sort of bands going at the moment i would like to say that david diggs is the most talented person i've seen on a stage i think he's fucking unbelievable he absolutely was incredible unbelievable yeah really really amazing um and i mean you told me they were doing this so <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> quite a surprise but uh, they did they did do a cover um <laughs> and i was like oh that's cool that's cool um they did a cover of jake one's 2004 hit tipsy which <laughs> is so unlike anything else it's a curveball that was it's absolutely <laughs> a curveball i mean a sort of silly song about underage <laughs> drinking it's not quite this, enlacing is it <laughs> it's really like dark harsh like noise experimental hip-hop talking about like, <laughs> you know the sort of the, the the dark recesses of the human mind but weirdly i mean maybe it's because i knew it was coming 
<laughs> I fucking loved it, man. I thought it was so good. It was so good. And it was like, oh, they can... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that has got to be... That, that's Diggs's... David Diggs's decision, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure. Because I know what so, sort of thing... Like, I've seen... They did a uh, an Amoeba. You know they do, like, What's in My Bag? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thing. They did one of them. And David Diggs is just picking loads of, like, you know, soul and musical theatre stuff. And then... Hudson and Snipes were picking like, oh, here's a weird noise avant-garde <laughs> like experimental thing from the 1960s, and you just were like, oh, there's two, pe- there's like a group of people who have incredibly different tastes in music. But um, chucking that tipsy cover in there, it was like this feels like the weirdest, wrongest thing ever. But the same, it would be like <laughs> you're going to see Morbid Angel and them covering peaches by the president <laughs> it was so weird but it was really but it was actually really good yeah um i mean i i was a little taken aback not only because it, it did even though it had the sort of clipping sound to it it didn't sound like a clipping song and i'm not sure i'd ever heard tipsy by jaquan beforehand such is my white there's background a video, there's a video of you clearly not really knowing what yeah what's yeah, going yeah. On, yeah. My, my, i liked my, my mate the aforementioned harry davis uh was was filming it bloody turn your phone off not gonna enjoy it properly if you're not paying attention <laughs> harry but uh yeah he was filming a bit of it and then swings the camera over to me i notice it and i'm just kind of shrug with a slightly blank everybody's getting tipsy uh, yeah well i i think you'll find that i was already so i was oh, having good. a lovely well, time but i didn't really know what was going on at that particular <laughs> juncture in the set list I love it when bands do shit like that because it is... It, it was cool. It was cool. It was fucking cool. Um, and I say it was unexpected. It wasn't unexpected because you told me beforehand. But um, Well, I said they were doing a cover and then you went and looked up the set list. So you did kind yeah, of ruin I know, it for yourself. I was like, yeah, I know. But I wanted to know. I was Once I knew that, I was like, well, I've I, I got to know now. i got to know. I should have said I it know. was Angel of Death, shouldn't I? Well, that would have made more sense, weirdly. Can't, can't believe they pulled out a cover of uh, <laughs> Too Extreme by Morbid Angel from Illard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, that would have made more sense. Probably would have done actually, yeah. But, but it yeah, still worked. It was it was fucking great. It was really good. Yeah, I love this. This is one of my favourite gigs of the year. I've been saying that quite a lot. It's just been a really good year for gigs. Um, I think because yeah. I've waited so long for it and because I love clipping so much, it was never going to fail. I mean, I think when it comes to the end of the year or whatever, which is actually approaching very, very quickly, mm. and we start talking about the best gigs of the year, I don't know if it would make... I think the best sort of intimate gig of the year i think it's got a damn good shout of being like the finest intimate gig mm. of the year but in terms of like just straight the best gig um i have seen some things this year which i just think are all-time mind-blowing mm. incredible shit so i i it probably isn't quite up there with nine inch nails at the eden project kendrick lamar at the o2 mm. elton john you know it's not quite up there with that but fuck me i i i I would say similar it's it's probably hovering around the sort of fourth or uh, fourth or fifth best thing i've seen this year but i have been to three of my favorite gigs of all time this year it's been a good year i mean definitely tall pet shop boys like there's been some Mm. fucking mad shit that's happened this year that i've seen live so you know uh but they are brilliant yeah they are undoubtedly undoubtedly so 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 good uh anyway let's move on to a little bit of news um i'm gonna kind of say this because i feel that it needs to be said although i'm gonna preface it by saying neither sam nor i are particularly 
not even not fans but not i don't think that aware mm. of the work of wilco johnson but wilco johnson passed away this week so r.i.p to an incredibly important and influential guitarist i am aware that you know his work in dr feelgood in the 70s was hugely influential um you know paul weller just one of the people that have come out since and said how you know distinctive and important and unique a guitarist that he was um and you know he was in game of thrones as well later on in his career you know he's had an incredible life be it as a member of dr feelgood and then you know as part of his own band as a solo mm. musician and, and guest other with other people like roger daltrey and ian jury and, and all these kind of other artists that he's worked with over the years and um yeah i have to say dr feelgood are something of a blind spot in my musical knowledge but I am more than aware of the name of Wilco Johnson and I've seen that name crop up a lot when it when people talk about mm. you know the the most kind of revered guitarists in music particularly from that era so yeah it was a it was a sad it was a sad thing to read to to hear that he passed away because you know he's um clearly very very influential and if people are fans and you know apologies if this isn't as heartfelt a, a eulogy as we might do for people that we're familiar with i mean let us know what to sort of start with and, and where to go yeah with absolutely i'm sure that you know i've seen a lot like i said i've seen so many people who i respect going what a what a legendary character mm. yeah absolutely um yeah I'd just, yeah like to echo all that although um the tributes i've been seeing i mean you talk about paul weller i've been seeing tributes from people like the bug you know his, his influence mm. was far reaching he definitely touched a lot of lives and yeah i I can only apologise that between the two of us, we're not really familiar enough to really put a finger on why. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to investigate Dr. Feelgood. So any fans out there, please let us know where we should dive in. Yeah, we should also mention, we didn't last week, and maybe we should have mentioned it last week, but with Andy on it being a bit more of a kind of uh, uproarious show, we didn't mm. speak about Keith Levine, who was a founding member of The Clash and mm. I guess kind of more known for his work in Public Image Limited. Um when it's funny that we've just done atomizer by big black and we spoke yeah. about the guitar tone of public image limited particularly on the metal a, box i would say as box, well yeah, yeah. B being a really really big influence on the work of swan sonic youth mm. big black all those bands that we, we spoke about going forward unsane all that kind of stuff and um you know that that was keith levine and you know i, I i've never really gone in on um, or, or spoken about, not gone in on, but spoken about Public Image Limited in a podcast at all. And I'm sure we will do that at some point. I think Metalbox is undoubtedly going to be something that I would like to do uh, on a on a classic album at some yeah, point. To be honest, so would I, mate. So would I. Brilliant yeah. album. It's so mm. good. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got a lot, a lot of uh, time for Public Image Limited and, you know, obviously that whole period I like a lot. Um, but he, he worked with a lot of other artists as well. I mean, you know, he, he, um, he worked with sort of people in hip hop. I, we, we spoke about Tone Loke the other week and he worked with, um, with Tone Loke, he worked with Ice T. You know, he helped the Red Hot Chili Peppers for his sins, um, doing some <laughs> demos for the for the Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Yeah. Um, you know, he he did a lot, a lot of different stuff uh, over his his career. So, and you know, and, and he's 
got a guitar tone a distinctive guitar sound again a very very distinctive important guitar tone which was very very influential to a lot of music that you and i hold very dear so um yeah i thought it was probably worth mentioning keith levine's passing as well because that is also very sad yeah um two fantastic guitarists i mean certainly keith levine i'm much more okay with the work of i suppose um wilker johnson i'm going on reputation but from the i suppose the opposite ends of the punk spectrum you know one sort of informing yeah. proto and then one more so post-punk um yeah it's a very sad time very sad time indeed um especially for people who are you know avid fans of either or both of their works um i, I suppose the one thing that i have enjoyed about all this and it seems weird to talk about enjoying someone's passing is um the amount of tributes but also even the places they've been like particularly last night just before i was going to bed um I happened to see on BBC News at 10, they were doing a tribute to Wilco Johnson. It's like, you wouldn't imagine that a proto-punk guitarist in 2022 Britain would necessarily get a kind of a little feature on, well, one of the flagship news programmes across the country. I think that's, that's really nice. And, you know, yeah, seen so many obituaries to Keith Levine, you know, from The Guardian to Pitchfork to, well, just people writing, you know, their blog posts, whether it's tweets, Facebook posts, etc. You know, um, it's really heartening to see that music still, you know, Music has such a profound effect, which obviously is no surprise, but it I don't know, kind of reinforces just how special it is to people in in the wake of these events. Mm, yeah, yeah, it, it does. It's uh, again, I say it every single time, and it's always a bit of a cliche for me to say it, but uh, this is probably you know, but it, it always hits me that it remains more and more true. That this is going to happen more and more, and it feels like it does happen yeah. more and more. But every time, it still remains like you know a bummer basically to have to kind of you know point these things out because yeah um sad anyway let's move on and talk about something which is happening that is good we yeah. don't usually do big or we haven't really done many sort of big festival announcements but i thought this one for us for me and you sam particularly was certainly worth mentioning 2023 outbreak festival oh uh, yes mate yes mate. which takes place in depot wayfield in manchester i don't know where that is anyway it's the 23rd to 25th of june next year so it's just after download mm -hmm. busy busy old week for, for yeah. me i third of thought they've announced a lineup which now again clang <laughs> jamie, <laughs> Co jamie from code orange sent me this he's going oh he said to me oh we're doing outbreak i was like oh amazing and he went yeah and he sent me a lineup and I, it was just like a load of names and i just went well, yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it, if it was that? But I thought it was just him going, oh, hopefully it'll be this. I didn't for a minute think it actually was the actual lineup. Wow. I thought he was putting together what would be my dream His lineup. Dream going, lineup. Oh, imagine, yeah, yeah. imagine if it was that. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that would be good. So, Code Orange were the headliners. Death Grips and Denzel Curry headlining. That's mad already. That's ridiculous. That is because obscene behaviour. Have Outbreak even had any kind of hip hop artists play before? Um, I, I I couldn't tell you to be honest, mate. I have not really been aware of Outbreak for too long. Um, I really wanted to go this year, and um, I'd heard after they finished that it was like, oh yeah, <laughs> been at the Bowlers Exhibition Centre for I think just a year. It was like, oh yeah, we're already upgrading. It's like, oh fucking hell, you're doing very well then. Um, I did notice when the announcement came, there were a lot of hardcore people who were you know uppity about hip-hop acts playing so uh, that would imply to me that there haven't been many if any before certainly not headlining but um 
I mean, I'm just look, I mean, I'm just Denzel Curry the, and Death Grips are going to go harder than any fucking hardcore band. Well, I'm just looking at the lineup from last year: Death Heaven, Touche and More, Not Loose, Turnstile, ba- Basement, Citizen, You for Today, Higher Power, Then and Prison, Your Demise, Terror, Madball, Vain, Loathe, Loathe on it again. We'll go to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Show me the body. Um, who are not a punk band? Remember? Uh, sorry, not a, a hip hop band. Remember? No. Glad we've establish that um <laughs> i believe we've established that <laughs> uh let's have a look at the lineup for two. i should really read up this year's on it but i'm gonna go back to the so 2019 headline by comeback kid i mean mm. fuck me is that obviously they've got comeback kid citizen cold world a load of shit that i can't read because oh jesus peace played as well yeah so anyway let's get back this year's lineup denzel curry death grips code orange converge earl sweatshirt loathe show me the body trapped under ice turnover Candy, Fleshwater, Gel, High Viz, Jesus Pre, Jesus Peace, Koyo, Lil Ugly Mane, uh, Mike. Is that Lil Ugly Mane, Mike? No, Mike. Um, don't know who that is. One Step Closer, Scowl, Spy, Soul Glow, Speed, Wiki, and Zulu. Now, there's a few people there that I'm not familiar with. I don't know yeah. Fleshwater or Gel or uh, One Step Closer. I hope that's not a Linkin Park tribute band. Or Scowl <laughs> or Spy. But then when you look Oh, at mate, do you not know Scowl? You'd like Scowl. Or maybe I do know. Maybe yeah, I actually feel yeah, like yeah. I know the name, but yeah, but I can't remember. They fucking sound the same, don't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really hard. They probably don't. Uh, but there we go. All at... hardcore. You all sound the all same, don't you? All hardcore. All black metal. <laughs> all indie. All boy bands. You all sound the same. Um <laughs> Denzel Curry and Death Grips is is mental as a pair of headlines. Inspired booking. Absolutely inspired. Incredible. Converging Code Orange, not even headlining. Do you know what I mean? Like a couple of years ago, Comeback Kid headlined. It's and mad, now fucking it? Converge can't even headline. That is crazy. I think Earl Sweatshirt will be brilliant. I think mm. he'll bring... Um, I mean, if he's going to... You know, with, with his history, let's say... Uh, and the type of chaos he has caused in his um, live shows in the past with the things that he's been involved with. That could be bananas. Mm. Loathe always great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to see Show Me The Body recently. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see him, so I'd be really, really interested to see them. Trapped Under Ice. Okay. Uh, not that fussed, to be honest. Turnover. Again, I'm not actually that fussed. But Candy, I think that album that came out this year is pretty good. Uh, but then you've got, like, you know, like I say, Soul Glow. And high vis down yeah. the bottom as well, just there, like fucking amazing. Like both bands who have released two of the best albums of their ilk this year. I think Jesus Peace are cool as well. Um, yeah, th- this lineup's mad, and it's good to see a festival go. Do you know what? Do you know what? Um, I we're just gonna book whatever fuck we want. Like yeah. we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna expand. We're going to expand and we're going to evolve and we're going to bring a load of new stuff in and so what? It's not fucking hardcore or whatever. It's still, to me, it still has, the, the, it has the essence of what is brilliant about the type of music that it was booking before. Mm-hmm. But the type of music that it was booking before was not going to be big enough no. for this festival to grow continually grow so they've gone well you know what people who like this type of music they'll like this as well and you will if you're sitting there going well i don't like hip-hop well you will you you would if you gave it a chance you would 
Like Espe- you, it, especially this kind of stuff, you know, it's particularly someone like Death Grips, who, you know, there's so much noise in there to kind hmm. of bridge any sort of punk and hip hop ideologies going on. I mean, it's going to be fucking brilliant. I am wondering, I mean, I can't wait to see what the final lineup's going to be. I am wondering, <laughs> Steve, if they might get someone like Genesis Uwusu on there at some point. Because I think that might fit in there somewhere. I think it might be might be an interesting booking to slot in. And I'd be very up for that because I've not seen Genesis Wusu yet. So. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I thought Genesis Wusu was probably... Uh, I mean, he was comparable to Clipping. I might even mm. say that that show, that show that I saw of Genesis Wusu might even have been better than the Clipping show. When wow. He, the world. he was fucking incredible. But... It's quite a different thing. I mean, if they, if he's obviously not going to headline, he's not. not oh no, to, no, 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 not headline. So I, th- I, I think they, I, I think they will get some kind of punk headliner. Hatebreed. Mm. I mean, yeah. look at the size of people. But then even like you know, hate hatebreed are not as big as Denzel Curry. No, I mean, hatebreed would have to be doing a, a special set, wouldn't they? I mean, I saw a lot of people mm. saying, you know, oh, hatebreed doing perseverance. It's like, well, yeah. even then, I mean, it's a ten thousand cap venue they've moved to. It's like. I mean, if you if you only want them to stick with hardcore, it's like, well, they're never going to fill that venue. And if they were, I mean, you can't just get Turnstile every year, can you? Who are the biggest no. sort of well band in punk stroke hardcore going? It's like, yeah, but yeah, Turnstile are pretty much the only band that you could kind of stick on there and think like that's a chance we've got. Really, I mean, Hatebreed would always be the one. That's the, I guess the kind of the classic option. Um, Biohazard see... back, aren't they? Get them. I, well, I wouldn't be surprised to see Biohazard on this lineup, to be honest. I think that would be yeah. uh, a, a decent booking. I mean, it feels like they're going for something a little bit more modern, which I think is cool. I mean, it's not really any kind of, I guess, with the exceptions. I mean, would you I consider Converge as the elder statesman? Converge isn't it? are the are the kind of the, the quote unquote legacy band on that lineup, but then mm. are you know Converge are still making music, which is forward thinking and evolutionary, and, re- and keeps them converge don't you know converge have turned up to things and done like jane doe and full or whatever just did it at damnation earlier this month for example yeah exactly but they don't have to do that do they they don't know it's not there's no one clamoring for like well if converge have to you know like i mean no one's got to do axe to fall no one's clamoring for hatebreed to have to do perseverance but if they're gonna headline they're gonna Mm. need to do something like that so i don't know that hatebreed are quite big enough it is hard to think who is big i mean i guess you know, Killswitch and Bla- Engage are playing Bloodstock, so that rules them out. But they're maybe the only other band that I could sort of see. Mm. A reformed Gallows with Frank Carter. Ooh, it's a different I mean, sort of thing, though, isn't it? Well, if they were able to pull that off, that would definitely be big enough to be a headlining act. And it would be a diverse booking against the other two headliners, for sure. But it's never going to happen, is it? And it, ref- well, I, I don't ref- know if you're going to go into another festival announcement next, but uh, I think Frank Carter's already busy next summer. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't going to do that to him. Oh, okay. Um, he's had a lot of two thousand trees. If you've he's not playing seen, 2000, he's playing two thousand trees. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think this this is great, and it, it does leave that that final headliner slot. It does. You look at it and you go, oh, you know, if they're gonna, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not going to go for for that sort of thing at all. I mean, maybe they are just going to be like. Yeah, fuck it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll book, we'll book whoever can fill that venue, and that mm. that rules out a hell of a lot of punk and hardcore bands. A hell of yeah. like ninety nine percent of them, to be perfectly honest. A reformed Dillinger could probably do it, but they ain't gonna reform. I mean, they better fucking not. They better fucking not. Don't After all the it. money you spent, Jesus. Yeah, fucking hell, mate. It was a good trip mm. though. 
24, 24 hours in JFK Airport waiting to go home. That's what I met Harry who went to Clipping with, actually. So that was, was nice. Yeah. Stuck, stuck waiting Stop to get home on New Year's Eve. talking about your mate. Look, no one knows who he's he is. Just a, well, you should know. He's a debonair <laughs> and handsome young gentleman. He is, actually. I've met him. He's a, he's a, he's a, good, he's a, good, he's a good egg. A right geezer. He's a right geezer. But... You know, he's got no business being on this podcast every five minutes. <laughs> he's not going to headline I'm sorry, Outbreak, Harry. is he? I'm sorry, Harry. You're not big enough to headline Outbreak <laughs> just on the basis of being mates with Sam. That should be more than enough. <laughs> it should be, yeah. <laughs> My clout. Oh, as, as a quick Slight aside. stock, 2023. <laughs> just uh, your mates getting up and going, quite, yeah. Open you know, mic, like, yeah. Like hanging out Duffy's. with Sam. No, mm. well, they wouldn't say that. <laughs> Speaking of clout, my uh, my grandma gave me a ring the other day and she was asking about, oh, how's the podcast going? I was like, yeah, it's good. She said, where can I listen to it? I said, don't, you won't like it. But she said, are you are you one of those influencers now? And I was like, no, no, I'm not, grandma. Like, until I get the Range Rover sponsorship, no, I'm not. If you if anyone from Range Rover is listening, uh, well, you'd make, you make an old woman very happy if you were to sponsor our podcast. Let's I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make me very happy, though, because I can't drive. You can fucking sell that shit on eBay for, like... eBay? A hundred pounds or more. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know much about... Profit on that. I don't know much about the price of anything. I sound like fucking Prince Charles <laughs> or something. Oh, he's king now, isn't he? Sorry. Yeah. I sound like, uh, I sound like king. Oh, how much is a pint of milk? It's probably... <laughs> Only ten pounds, surely. Eight pound fifty, isn't it? Uh, but but the opposite, because it's much yes, less. Yes. Um, anyway, what out of... Uh, I'm genuinely tempted for the first time in ever. I'm tempted to, to edit something out. No, don't edit that out. That was great banter. <laughs> that was great. Anyway, uh, Outbreak looks amazing. I've already mm. got my ticket. So see you there. Mm. And I'll tell you what, maybe I was just stalling because I didn't want to talk about the big news this week. The big, the biggest news in music, full stop. According to the BBC website, <laughs> uh, local news in Nottingham. N-Dubs cancel mm. show at the last minute after support acts perform now n-dubs who i mean i tell you what shout out some fucking i I, some really nice people on the download festival forum there's also some very weird people because one person was like n-dubs a shout to headline reading (laughs) n-dubs headlining reading reading have you seen the leaks poster n-dubs ain't getting close to headlining (laughs) reading if that's true i mean i know they're meant to be doing three that well i say meant they're, they're, they're doing three nights at the o2 end dumps which is you know like nostalgia has lost its mind yeah. go home yeah. nostalgia you're drunk but <laughs> i mean they're not headlining fucking reading fuck's sake. i heard they're doing the pyramid at glastonbury <laughs> yeah taylor swift taylor swift <laughs> the, ref- <laughs> the reformed blur and end dumps yeah um fans were left angry and disappointed after N-Dubs cancelled a show at the very last minute after their support act had performed. The concert at the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham was part of the group's Back to the Future tour. Well, why are they calling it that? Uh, and they returned after 11 years. <laughs> One fan eloquently said she felt, quote-unquote, mugged off <laughs> by the cancellation. Yeah. <laughs> Dappy, um, the band apologised, and Dappy had been advised by doctors to rest and would be unable to perform. Uh, 
the tweet said basically he posted on his instagram that his voice was basically gone as a result of doing too many shows back to back now i'm looking at their tour dates end dubs mm. and they didn't do that many shows prior to the nottingham show not gonna lie no. they didn't do a huge amount of shows um they did where well, they did like in the uk there were two shows two shows prior to the nottingham show right that's too so, too many back to back how is that too <laughs> how is that too many shows I think, I think it might be lying. I think something I, else has happened here, hasn't it? <laughs> I think mm. Dappy has gone back on tour. And I think what he's done, the little scamp that he is, he's still a little scamp. It might be 11 years later, but he's still a little scamp. And I think what he's done is he's gone, oh, I remember when I used to go on tour before and we'd play, let's be honest, much smaller venues than this. And I used to just get on the beak, <laughs> I believe they call it. <laughs> I used to get on the beak all night. I used to bang Chunder Kansas Stella, smash a bottle of Jack Daniels, and fucking hoover up all the cocaine that I could get <laughs> my chavy little hands on. And I think he's <laughs> I think he's gone. Oh, that's what I used to do. I'll do that again. Oh no, I'm 32. And hangovers get really fucking hangovers are unforgiving but they don't care what your fucking skincare regime is like to make yourself look younger they will find you and they, they will, get will you. fucking kiss that's the point where you start going right oh i i better not drink anymore because hangovers are brutal and let's be honest what's happened here is dappy has spent the day in a like in his duvet on the mm. tour bus shivering like Weeing rusty water out of his ass, oh, uh, puking up, what, pulling a whitey, <laughs> pulling a whitey, <laughs> and he can't handle it. And he's fucking shat his pants just before he's about to go on stage and just gone, mm. I can't fuck, I can't do it. And they've gone, oh, he's not feeling very well. Doctors say, Dr. Alcazar <laughs> says, Doctors say, a big bottle of Lucasade. <laughs> Doctor Doctor <laughs> Lucas Aidan Bacon Sandwich MD. <laughs> he's had two litre bottle of Coke and a Mars bar. And he thought <laughs> that was right yeah, yeah. he thought that's gonna sort me out. He's ordered the Chinese. And it's just not happened for him. That Big no. Mac is not gonna they get to a point, you get to a point, you get to an age where the a fucking you know, a, a, an egg and bacon McMuffin and a big Coke can't sort you out anymore, Dappy. You need to learn. Like, trust me, I have two pints, right? And if I don't like cryogenically freeze myself for the next forty-eight <laughs> hours, I'm a fucking mess. I'm a fucking mess. Like these these newfangled hangovers you get in your middle age, they're not a they're not a joke, Sam. They're not a joke. And this is this is a, this is Dappy realizing like tr the true responsibility. Yeah, that's what I think. Absolutely. Um, I mean, to be fair, though, like, it could have been worse because those people could have seen N-dubs. So, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, this is the one thing they need to... Well, they could see N-dubs support, which I mean, they're supporting, <laughs> I don't know it is, but they're supporting them. Um, I've got a few. <laughs> Kate, Katie Simpson, 21, from Nottingham. 
said uh, she felt mucked off by the group and said the atmosphere became really scary after the announcement. Everyone was fuming. They were throwing drinks on the stage. That's not going to help Dappy's state of mind. And pouring <laughs> beer everywhere. Just the there sight was, of it's enough to set him off. There was fighting and people were going up to stewards to ask what was going on. Oh, God, the horror of asking stewards <laughs> what's going on. That doesn't seem that unreasonable at all. They literally let us down five minutes before they're coming on. They've taken the absolute mick out of us. Mrs. Simpson's called for a refund. Sorry, not miss, I should say. She's only 21. She's not married. Um, called for a refund after the cancellation, saying she would not want to go to a rescheduled performance. Nottinghamshire police said they've not received any reports of disturbances. Mm. So people couldn't even be bothered to riot. Not like a Guns N' Roses crowd. <laughs> no. Just like, oh, well. Um, oh, boo. Boo and hiss. The Motor Point Arena in Nottingham has added uh, some social media reports of disturbances are wholly inaccurate. They said there was no major crowd disorder. The police were not needed nor present on site and there was no criminal damage to any vehicles or the venue itself. In fact, despite the extreme disappointment and frustration, almost everyone behaved very well and we would like to thank our customers for their calm response. So, you know, N-Dubs fans, fair, you know, fair play to N-Dubs fans. Yeah, absolutely. For, 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 for being level-headed. Yeah, rightly missed, but it. not silly. Yeah. Good mm. on him. Good on him. The opposite to N-Dubs in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. In many who ways. Are, who are unlike rightly miffed and very silly. Yeah. To be fair, I, I, I would actually say, yeah, fair play to all those fans who who didn't absolutely kick off. Because um, I, I've seen after the fact that some people have been uh, sharing the fact that Dappy was sharing Instagram stories earlier in the day saying, oh, don't feel very well, you know, my voice has gone and everything. Like five hours before doors, so it's pretty shitty to get everyone in to go and buy their merch, you know, buy the £8 beers at the venue and whatever, and then tell them, just as you do to go on, naughty, naughty end-ups. They're going to get a rap on the wrist from me next time I see them. Are <laughs> you going to go and see them? Are you going to bin off yeah, that yeah. Fontaine's DC gig and go and see end-ups at their rescheduled gig instead? Oh, yeah, big time, big time, yeah. Um, me and Phaser. Uh, Big mates. <laughs> yeah. I Do you like, do you have anything? Because I don't actually, I remember N-Dubs being a big thing. And I remember thinking, oh, this is rubbish, this. But I don't remember any of their songs at all. Uh, no, I feel similarly. Um, they were, you know, coming up when I was in secondary school. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I guess it's Slayer for me, isn't it? Um, that was about it. Yeah, I don't know any N-Dubs songs, but I know that I don't like them. So... I might go and ch- I might go and check them out. Now I know they're letting their fans down. <laughs> I might go and, <laughs> might go and check them out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there you go. Apologies if you were there and you uh, uh, and if you're an aggrieved Endubs fan, uh, I'm sorry for taking the piss out of you. Sorry about that. Yeah. But I'm not really taking the piss out of you. I'm taking the piss out of Dappy. Dappy, if you're listening, mate, sort it you, out. You got. You can't be doing this. You've got to learn at you your can, age. At your age. What is he now? 31? Well, you said 32. I don't know if you just plucked that out, but that I, sounds like it must be about right. I would imagine he's not far off my age, probably a bit older. I, To be fair, I did. I want to know how old he is. Yeah. Actually, I actually want to know. I mean, if he is Dappy, a bit older than me, he should learn from the fact that I've never cancelled the gig at the Motor Point Arena last minute. So who's who's the more mature one of the two of us? Dap, well, Dappy. Exactly. Mr. Dapp. He's, he's 35. He's 35. Both in our thirties, so yeah. if you're interested, <laughs> if you're interested, Tulissa's thirty-four, and Phaser, your mate, yeah, is thirty-five as well. So oh, okay, uh, fair enough. They're they're all older than you. That's yet, weird, that. and yet so young in so many ways. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's Bloody weird, hell. though. They don't feel like you feel like you should be older than N-dubs. I'm just more refined, I suppose, aren't I? I think you are, yeah. yeah. My, my palate is more sophisticated. You're like, you're like Richie Rich. <laughs> what, from Bottom? Uh, yeah, if you like. Yeah, I meant the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you meant, yeah. You know what, you know what I meant. Um, anyway, let's talk about some music. Let's get away from N-dubs for a little bit, I reckon. Yeah. Jamie Lemon, The Atheist, the fourth full-length solo album from the UK's cult alt-rock troubadour. A fine man indeed. This is the follow-up to 2020's King of Clubs album, which was predictably very good. Mm. Although I have to say, I still think Devolver is my personal favourite album of, of Jamie's. I absolutely love that record. I think it's uh, excellent. Yeah. I completely agree. Uh, in fact, I've got a hot take, um, which will upset a lot of people who are listening to Ruben in the mid noughties I think Devolver is the best thing that Jamie Lemon has done full stop. And I include race cars, race car backwards in that. I absolutely adore Devolver. I think that's a proper mm. 10 out of 10 all time worldy. I fucking love that album. Yeah. You know, I think I might agree with you, Sam. Yeah. I think I might agree with you. I, I think Ruben are very good. Ruben are I fantastic. Mean, don't get me wrong, but very, I, very, were, I say are, were very good. They've were very good. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, they are really, really good. But I, Jamie, I, I prefer Jamie's solo stuff. Yeah. A lot of it. I do. Yeah. Mm. Certainly. Yeah. There's a lot of it. That I do. Um, and he's done a bunch of stuff. You got it to kind of muscle memory was a, a kind of double album of varying sort of styles. Yeah, I mean, one um, half was sort of, you know, kind of acoustic folk. The other was almost grindcore, like mm. really fucking heavy. Devolver was a brilliantly odd sounding record, which had its mm. kind of signature oddities to it. I thought, you know, King of Clubs kind of followed on a bit more from that. And what we have here, I think, is the most brilliantly straightforward set of simple but perfectly formed pop rock nuggets maybe as instantly catchy as he has ever made in his life. I mean, it's funny because some people seem to think, you know, Jamie came through the whole scene with bands, I guess, like, you know, the a, a Biffy Clyro or... Um, guess like hundred reasons, or were they were they a little bit earlier? Or? They were slight. I guess hundred reasons was slightly earlier, but I think maybe like funeral for a friend as well. You could say oh like yeah, Ruben yeah were around that time. In me, maybe as well. Steggle, um, Steggle. Well, we won't talk. We'll, we'll won't talk about our relationship with Ruben and Steggle because obviously you know Jamie's tried to start some beef with us back in the day. But, <laughs> you know we we, we we we've we've let that go. Um, but those bands, uh, you know, obviously I think he can be much more viscerally heavy mm. and much more kind of oblique and much more uh, acerbic than than a lot of those, than, than, than a Hell is for Heroes, for example. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think he maybe doesn't always get the credit for doing that um, or as much of a credit as he may well do. And then, you know, think like... The sort of when he was coming through the type of music that Biffy was playing on those first three albums they are far more jagged and ragged a band than the band that I went to see last week but you know for me Biffy are a better band doing those big anthemic songs than they are doing kind of weird six minute long post hardcore songs which you know it's cool to see them doing that in the arena as I said last week but I think 
those songs do really pale in comparison to Biffy's latter day stuff. Yes. And this is a really, I think a really great example of sort of perfect simplicity from, this is more like what I think some people think everything that Jamie's done is. Yeah. But I think it's actually, it's probably the best that he's ever done that thing that people who maybe don't pay that much attention to him think he sounds like. If that I makes see. any sense at all. I don't know if it does. That does make sense to me. Um, I, I get where you come from and I think you're absolutely right. I think, yeah, people who haven't sort of delved into every facet of Jamie Lemon's career, I mean, maybe just heard a couple of things from sort of side two of muscle memory, you know, they might think, oh yeah, singer, songwriter, acoustic guitar, writes, you know, kind of nice songs that are catchy. They're really good, but there's not loads more to it. There is so much more to it. But yeah, I mean, this is um, probably the most straightforward thing that Jamie Lemon's done possibly full stop i mean uh, you know including ruben um i feel like this might in some ways might be a bit of a reaction to king of clubs which i think was his most out and out sort of aggressive like i think the first half of muscle memory was heavier but i think king of clubs was darker and it was more aggressive than stuff he'd done previously i feel like this might be a bit of a reaction to that but moreover i think this is almost a bit of a reaction to basically the whole of his everything else he's kind of recorded and put out bar shuffle the covers album it feels like everything jamie lemon does is kind of laced with i don't know particularly devolver a meta textuality about the craft of an album and how jading it is being in a band or being an artist whereas this one i mean there's more to it than this but the elevator pitch is it's jamie lemon writes love songs um and i think you know it goes a lot deeper than that but it's just massive, massive choruses, easy to digest riffs. It's done with a slightly more sunny demeanour. I mean, the first half of this album, I'd say, is really, really quite sunny. And just really lovely to listen to, you know, Talk Hard, Hospital Tree. I mean, hosp- uh, people will have heard Talk Hard if you like Jamie Lemon. It's basically, you know, it's kind of a Tom-heavy, warm, deep bass riff. It's got an amazing chorus hook. Um, quite a spicy riff. It? Yeah, it's Weezer. It, yeah. It, it's absolutely Weezer. And some people go, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, look. Weezer are great. Weezer at like, you know, the best Weezer at their of best Weezer, are amazing. Weezer at their best are fucking awesome. And this is like a Pinkerton blue album, green album style. I know those albums, all those three albums are pretty different, but you, you get what I'm saying, like a good Weezer. I think it does toe the line between um yeah, blue and blue and Pinkerton though, because you know, you have got that first half where you get talk hard. Uh, Hospital Tree, I think, is lovely as well. Kind of stripped back start, the electroacoustic and really tender vocals. And by the end, it's turned to this pretty broad, like, indie rock love song. It's absolutely lovely. Um, without, you know, it, it's, it never gets kind of saccharine or OTT or anything. And then around um, My Anchor, it feels like the album ter- takes a turn for the slightly darker lyrically. And you get a song like um, Bad Friend, which kicks off this kind of thumping 4-4 bass line and amazing dexterous sort of turns of phrase and melodic vocal lines but that's where the album i think gets quite sort of dark and introspective and vulnerable as well so i think it does share a lineage with pinkerton where it's kind of looking at yeah actually maybe i'm not all good and maybe in these relationships whether they're loving you know romantic or platonic maybe i'm getting things quite badly wrong um bad friend when it gets to the when it got to the first chorus i was like oh hang on hang on the um unkind unaware whatever you feel i just don't care the unkind unaware whatever you feel i just don't care i'm a bad friend 
Um, by the end of that song, I was almost in tears. I, I, I mean, spoiler alert right now. Bad Friend is the best song I think we're talking about this week. I think it's fucking beautiful. I think it's as good as anything on Devolver, which, as I've just said, is a 10 out of 10 album. But that's not to um, undersell any of the rest of the album. I think This Town Will ne- Never Let Us Go um, is a really nice, restrained um, lamentation of the kind of trappings of small-town Britain. Um mm. And it's got these soaring strings. It's so beautiful and grandiose. But again, it never sort of devolves, if you'll pardon the pun, into basic kind of stadium or arena-ready saccharine soppiness. It's all just really, I don't know, it's all very suave and open and intelligent. But I think the intelligence comes from the simplicity of it. He's not trying to overwrite these songs. He's just trying to write fantastic sing-along tunes that will hopefully speak to people and i mean there were so many points of this album where i was you know getting tearful particularly bad friend being the highlight for me yeah i think bad bad friend is like something of a stylistic different side to the coin of his 2020 single i don't want to be your friend which is yes like a kind of angry version of you are this you are this whereas this one feels like a this is me this is me yeah yeah, while that was a kind of acerbic rant of a song as a single it's been sort of i guess the idea has now been turned into a very sort of reflective acoustic lament and it's great like it's a good song um so many bits on this remind me and you know the 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 reference point of weezer and Goo Goo Dolls and Feeder, like deep down reminds me of early mm. Feeder. Like That's fair. E- That's maybe fair. Echo Park era kind of Feeder. Really, really simple, incredible hook. Just a hooky, instantaneous, grandiose sounding. And actually grandiose isn't even the word because it's simple, but it sounds big. It just sounds massive. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of arena ready hook filled rock music. Yeah. I think Lena, Lena Don't Leave Me it's a love song like do you know what i mean it's yeah. it's a it's a, re- it's a simple bouncy anthemic big beautiful love song with an open heart and just there's no like you say there's there's no there's no metaphor to that at all do you know what i mean there's no kind of hiding what that song is about no it's a really honest open clear um what's it Stuart Lee says is the 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 last um the last uh uh like taboo in performance is somebody doing something well and earnestly oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i think that's kind of you know what this album is it's not yeah like jamie can be funny and sarcastic and a little bit like oh, i wonder you know like that's uh, what exactly is is this about and you know like i wouldn't say he's hiding the sort of there's no hidden meanings within the songs that he makes but at the same time I sometimes listen to his music and I think that, um, you know, like, is this, is there a bit of a tongue in his cheek or whatever? Mm. Whereas this feels super stripped back and honest and just like, this is, this is what this is. And I think those, that, that can be like such a refreshing thing in a world of guitar music where everybody's just trying to be a bit cleverer than yeah, anyone else. Yeah, sort of shrouded like, in an obtuse metaphor and mystery. Yeah, I mean, we, and, you know, we talked about the last Arctic Monkeys album, which was that to the nth degree. It was like, oh, mm. well, if I sound clever, it is clever. And it's like, well, no, actually, I think Jamie Lemon, sort of, you know, doing this nakedly open, um, 
very little room for interpretation just beautiful music that's way way smarter way smarter yeah. imp- implementation and it's a better way to win an audience over i think so and you get you know like people might kind of bulk at being compared to the goo goo dolls or feeder or you know my anchor reminds me sort of sonically of a, a kind of choppy 2000s manic street preachers song it's got a very james <laughs> dean yeah, bradfield yeah. sort of guitar part on it but and the, but i think the, the chorus like the, the problem i have with a lot of the manic stuff from there is that, that, that you know they really seem to struggle to actually give the, the, again they're a band who you, know, you go well, what's this about like, you've mm-hmm. got to really listen and go what's this about um and i think it's got a bit more grit than manic street preachers did from that time um you know, you mentioned song on my. T- I did. I don't know if you did mention song on my tongue, but like, oh no, very, I didn't, very... but that's a, again a really, really good one. Yeah, but just you know, it's uh, it starts with just a guitar and builds into this big crescendo, and you just think, well, that's what the Foo Fight. That's the reason Foo Fighters play stadiums is because they can make songs like that. And you know, the only one that really, I think, is a bit more of that kind of early Biffy. Your code name is Miloy, like more classic Jamie kind of choppy uh angular style riffing is war of doubt yeah but again he makes sure he pumps it full of a lot of hooks and for me i think one of the most essential parts of this record is the wedding ring which i think is it's beautiful really really bright like is it is is the word brave correct i'm not even sure if the word like because that may probably gives it you know, like a bit more gravitas and maybe even he would wish of it. But I think... Well, I suppose it's ring... brave in that it's so starkly open. Very it? lo-fi. Yeah. Like really, you just go, well, that's been recorded. It sounds like it's been recorded with one mic in a room and Jamie sat at a piano. And, and the mic's at the other seen... end of the piano. Yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of Daniel Johnston lo-fi aesthetic to it. It could be like a sort of Tom Waitsy type thing, but it's much sweeter than you know uh, my song is our wedding ring that is a lyric which i think that's that's a really really nice lyric and it can't really be you know um you're not gonna get you're not gonna go like oh i wonder wonder what that means i wonder what that's about like you (laughs) know it's it's a fucking love song like clearly and it's sparse it's stripped back and it just again like you don't often hear people talking about how great a, a, a vocalist jamie is but Jamie's got a really, really great voice that he showcases in that song. Really brilliant. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I I think, um, yeah, he really, he's, he's really good. Um, really, really good. And, you know, this is just a really well done, simple in the best way, really personal, honest, pop rock record. Straight down mm. the line, very considered and very sweet. And it doesn't try and be anything other than that. And, you know, those are hard albums to pull off, I think. Yeah. Really, that- really hard. And this this pulls it off very well, I think. Absolutely. I mean, if you're already a Jamie Lemon fan, I think, um, you know, it is it is something of a about turn for it to be so stripped back. But um, you're not going to be unhappy because it is still a Jamie Lemon album. His mark is all over it. His character, his personality. Um just coursing through it um you know from songs that do sound a bit foo fighters a bit wheezery i mean on uh, 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 uh on lena don't leave me it is actually in fact there's a guitar solo that made me think of permission to land so there's still a sort of air of fun about it um yeah it's brilliant if you like jamie lemon you're gonna be very happy if you haven't heard jamie lemon 
I don't know if this is the ideal starting point. I'd probably say Devolver would be where to start to get a kind of a snapshot mm. of a lot of the things you can do. But this is not a bad one because it's a very, very enjoyable, nice album to just be in the company of. It's awesome. Really, really like yeah, this one. I do. I think it's very, very good. Um, we might be talking about that more soon as well. Maybe next week. Who knows? Yeah, a little teaser for you. That's The Atheist by Jamie Lenman. It is out right now. Let's move on to our next record, which comes from Christine and the Queens. Red Car, Le Adorable Etois. Mm, this is going to be a fun one, isn't it? I don't know <laughs> to, if that's right. Two non-French speakers. Yeah, I don't actually know if uh, if that is the way that you say it. But it is um, the third album from, uh, again, uh, Eloise, Eloise Alier, Laetitia, uh, professionally known as both Redcar or occasionally Chris, or in this instance, Christine and the Queens. Um, it is the follow-up to the very, very popular La Vita Nuova from 2020. Now, I know some people love Christine and the Queens. Mm. Absolutely love her. And to be honest, save for a few guest spots here and there, I'd been completely ignorant as to why. I had sort of gone, oh, I should check that album out. I should check this song out. I should do this, I should do that. And I hadn't really ever gone in on any of it. So I didn't really know. But I know now. I do know now. Because I think there's something just very uniquely cool about her and this album. It's arch, artful synth pop. And with a voice that certainly, with the sort of French language lyrics, give this record something quite unlike anything else that exists alongside it's quite a unique sounding record due to all of those elements i think it's a cool record put it that way and it's a cool sound and it's a cool style um sam had you kind of gone in on christine and the queens before no not especially i mean as you say it's um uh it's a project that i'd heard loads and loads about and i know a lot of people absolutely adore them um i believe chris the 2018 album i think that was you know album of the year in oh i mean a whole raft of places i know it did really well at pitchfork guardian nme you know and people absolutely love christine of the queens um as a yeah kind of a set of personas i i i find because um as i understand it the first album was performed as christine the second album was performed as chris this one is being performed as red car um and i would be interested to go back and check out that early material now now that i've um, explored this i completely agree with what you're saying it is it's a unique amalgam of certain things i mean that the kind of overtly 80s program drums against really quite airy woozy synths and it's all got uh, sort of not lo-fi but sort of deliberately muted production that to be honest a lot of th- the production choices on it made me think of midnights by taylor swift in the way that it's all kind of just bubbling under the surface um, rarely, if ever, gives itself sort of chance to explode out. I find that the album's at its best when it's on songs that have a more deliberate drive uh, and something more danceable, like Looking for Love, uh, Rien Deer, and uh, the opening of the second track, which I'm I'm sorry, I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Um, yeah, no, I'm not even going to bother with that. Um, sorry. Tu sais que qui me Perfect. Not perfect. 
Yeah. 50% I, I, right? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> uh, I did German at school, so sorry. Me too, uh, if yeah. we're doing Rammstein, I'd be much better at this. Oh, um, big time. Yeah, oh, big time, big time. Um, looking for love, I think, is ooh, possibly my highlight. I think there's a couple that sort of fight for the top spot. And in some senses, it's really quite frustrating that the song that should have the largest amount of English lyrics in it, because it feels like I'm just coming across as ignorant and not really getting the kind of flow of the French language in this kind of pop. But then I do wonder if maybe it is a concession to the non-French speaking fans that this song should be so immediately kind of accessible as it goes. Which, you know, whatever the reason behind it, I think that's great. I would say other highlights would be yeah, Rien Deer and Le Clairefontaine. Um... I Beyond like that, yeah. I think Leclerc Fontaine is excellent. Beyond that, I like a lot of this album. I feel like a lot of it um, takes a tone for the kind of, oh, I don't know, maybe even, maybe even if I was feeling really harsh, quite rudderless, sort of meandering direction. I feel like a lot of it kind of sits in one pocket without really doing anything. And because it is all from that very muted production style, it's hard to get that enthused about so much of it on just a couple of listens. Um, I mean, I particularly think uh, Combien de Tom or de Temps, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting start. Yeah, in- that's it. I mean, eight and a half minutes. It's an interesting start with that kind of um, almost like dub stroke early scar vibrato on an organ. And it made me think, oh, maybe we're going to get something, you know, that's going to really sort of cut through the the um, quite misty sort of, uh, well, layer of noise that's been hanging over all of this. And it doesn't really do that. And that song does just do the same thing for eight and a half minutes. And I don't know, it just didn't really grab me. I think, I think you know, talking about um, Max Tundra earlier, I know you said this wasn't the case for Max Tundra. I think this is more impressive than enjoyable for someone like me. But, um, but how do you feel about it, Steve? I feel like I've just gone off on one. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's too long. I'm going to say that right now. It, it does not need to be this long. But I looked at the review. I mean, I'm looking at the reviews and it feels like it has had a bit of a lukewarm reaction. But oh, that really? actually makes me want to go back and listen to more of her work, to be honest, because I mm. think there are there's a lot of this, which I think is fucking cracking. I think Looking for Love is really good, too. I think that is yeah. good. It's got this mechanical beat, sort of Terminator-style thing with a Pet Shop Boys chorus. That is really cool. But I actually, I like the kind of soothing um the kind of the the white chrome cold electro sort of sparseness of it mixed with these quite kind of tantalizing um seductive french licks like both vocally and i think there are even i mean i've written down, down things like fucking serge gainsborough and je le taxi by vanessa Paradis, and i'm going is that just because they're French. I mean, I, it, it may well be. It may well be. But, you know, I think there's a kind of lucid, spacious grooviness to this record, which is kind of, de- it's got a detached call to it. It's got a kind of, you know, a um, uh, a, a vogue, um, a sort of high-end fashion feel to it that mm. I think is is actually quite good. I think the second song you mentioned, Too Su, well, I'm not going to try and do it again. Too yeah. Su Qua Ma Fat. Call it that, and it sounds like a live recording of a, of a kind of an early Kate Bush song. All the sort of ad libs of the come on, all that stuff, I think sounds really, really good. Um, I think you know, the the song, um, 
Oh God, Le Atils is like carpet and a brute done by art school students and not fans of metal and slasher flicks. Mm. I think they go in for this kind of like John Carpenter, but really, really detached and a little bit kind of too cool for school, which I love. Um, I mean, I I think Combien de Temp, which you've mentioned, which is the eight minute long song. Yeah. I think that's my favorite song on it. Really? I think that kind of, yeah, you get this really, it's got this sort of loungy, loush, like, sort of affected um, shrug to it. But also mm. this silky groove and all those dub bass and the soulful keys. And it does just sort of sit on this thing for like eight minutes. And I found myself just going like, I just really, really, really like being here. There's a song called Je Tu Vois Enfin which has got like a sort of an early Nine Inch Nails drum stomp and electro bass. It had a real kind of Trent Reznor like footprint on it, I thought, which I really, really liked. I would say half of this, I think, is is great. You know, mm. it's 53 minutes long. It's quite long and it's quite low energy or it's very low energy. Yeah. It's detached and it's laush and it's sort of um uh it's 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 very kind of elegant but it's elegant in a in a very kind of marked slow paced sort of way mm. and for me i think when they get it right and i think she gets it right the majority of the time I'd say, you know, it's 13 songs. I think it could be, if it was nine, I think it'd be a really good album. I, I Really, I, really good album. I agree. I'd say there's a third of this album that I think is fucking brilliant. And the rest of it, it, it doesn't do loads for me at present. But I do think, I think the album's strength. So looking into the background of this latest persona that Christine's adopted of Redcar, um, that name is, has come from... Um, their, their mother passed away and they saw these red cars everywhere and they kind of took it as a bit of a, a sign. It's like, well, maybe this should sort of inform what I do next. I mean, that's definitely a paraphrase of the story. But um, I do think this album being informed by loss, I think you can hear that detachedness, as you quite rightly point out. And to an extent, I think the almost deliberately kind of muted and meandering feel of it, it does make sense thematically. I'm just not sure how much I enjoy it for, for 53 minutes, as you say. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think if this if this album was as long as, um, so we're going to talk about Mother Vulture in a bit, which is a 36 minute album. If this was 36 minutes, I think I'd be much more enthusiastic, but it just drags a little bit in a very, uh, yeah, kind of monochromatic ambient space that I'm not sure I want to stay in for the best part of an hour. Mm, yeah, I mean, look, I do think it, it, it gets... Um I don't think it, it as an album loses focus towards the end, but I think it's hard to keep focused throughout mm. the record um, when it when it is so kind of resolutely detached. Yeah, and it just it does sit in kind of one register all the way through, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we've just talked about Jamie Lemon, which isn't a massively dynamic album. I, I, I suppose it just depends what kind of space you like to inhabit i mean it is beautifully produced but for me yeah. that doesn't save it from what i feel is quite i don't know almost half-baked execution at times 
Okay, fair. I mean, look, you know, I I do enjoy this. I mean, I do think I like I say it, as well. It being in French and me, you know, there is I I, I don't know what it's about because it's in French, mm-hmm. um, and it's so it's hard to listen to the lyrics and go, oh, what great lyrics. But I do think you know. But then you know, I I don't have that problem so much with you know, say Ramstein or yeah. uh, Envy or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So or Cavell Attack. Um, but then that's different. I think it's, that's a completely different style of music mm. in all three, um, in all three uh, examples there. So, yeah, I, f- I would like to know more of what, you know, kind of what she's saying. But then I could, I guess I could look it up, couldn't I? Um, and, you know, why should she sing in English just so I go, well, I want to know what you're saying. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's not a fucking problem. Um, no, so, not. yeah, So, but I think, you know, that does mean and, and actually you know it's not it, it doesn't strike me as a sort of album because of how detached it is that you necessarily need to know exactly what it's about but look i i like this i do actually like it it's made me go well if this is christine and the queens on a three out of five or a seven yeah, out of ten weakest receive yeah yeah then i would like to hear the very best stuff but for me you know i i like it you know there's um some of it when it's like there's a song in it called uh Rendaya which I don't know if that's how you say it, probably, but it's like a kind of modern sound, much more kind of modern sounding pop song, a lot of ambient electro and just with a bass and you get this kind of very, very high registered vocals. Mm. And I did, like, that's a song where I was like, uh, stylistically, that isn't doing much for me. But a lot of the time, you know, it does do a fair bit for me. So I, I'm not going to get to... Um, yeah, I'm not going to be too down on it, but I think kind of, you know, a, a three out of five, seven out of ten feels very right to me. But I think I, I think that's fair. Yeah, but I like the cut of her. I, I like I like the approach. I really like the approach because I listen to it. It's mm-hmm. not often that you listen to something and you go, oh, this sounds really different to the most of the stuff. And maybe it's you know the the French language um, stuff, and I think that does play a big part of it. But it sounds kind of classically French, mm-hmm. whilst also sounding kind of Britishly sort of detached and quite kind of industrial in in a in a more of a sort of you know germanic way i guess so it felt like a kind of a good mix of a bunch of stuff i broadly i like it is what i would say but it's not it's not going to be one of my favorite albums of the year but i do i really like the sound of the record i just think it could do with a little bit of trimming down yeah i I broadly like it as well Uh, not as much as you i think it could do with a fair bit of trimming yeah it won't be in the end of the year, but I don't know. I mean, maybe one day I'll come back to it and suddenly it'll all click because there's definitely a lot going on here. It's very, very dense. I can tell that. And that's not even the language barrier, just even musically. It is quite dense. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's called Red Carlet Adorable Etoile, I think. I don't know. By Christine of the Queens. That is out now. Let's move on to our next album, Mother Knows Best by Mother Vulture. This is the... Are we calling this the full-length debut album? that's what they're calling it so yeah okay yeah because yeah. you know they had the the one that they recorded live um which i believe was called doing it live yes makes sense that's so a sort of live say album. what you um, see so you see but this is the uh exciting bristolian alt rock band i'm gonna call them an alt rock band Whoa, uh, yeah okay uh I, I don't know i mean look i back in the day just before the pandemic hit saw these guys live and they fucking blew me away and we did on riot act review doing it live and i was like this is good you know like it kind of like 
the the good thing about it was that i feared that the more mother vulture um were sort of um embraced by the sort of classic rock crowd Mm. i feared that they might go more towards doing that kind of quite ponderous retro rock revival thing which is definitely something which is in their dna not the ponderous nature but the kind of the classic rock thing for sure is very definitely part of their dna but they had such a kind of rocket fueled like energy to them that mm. i was like well that's the thing you need to sort of concentrate on like for me they belonged when you talk about classic rock bands the mc5 and the stooges are classic rock bands at this point right yeah and they belong for me much more with a band like the bronx or uh, uh wilson are the classic example of a band who really shouldn't have been adopted by the classic rock crowd and they shouldn't have been sent out out on tour with hellstorm and that affected them really <laughs> badly and i yeah. feared that i feared that for mother vulture um and i was like please don't do that please 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 don't do that and i think if this debut album is anything to go by they haven't done that no i feel like they've leaned into uh so you say alt rock which is definitely not wrong i mean i think one of the cool things about mother vulture is that for for music that is on the surface informed by classic rock uh, and uh, and classic rock being such a broad term i mean when you say classic rock as you say it can be mc5 it can be studios could also be guns and roses um which i think there is a bit of in here i think there's quite a few axolisms in um giorgio uh georgie valentini uh, georgie valentine what am i doing georgie valentine's vocals i think he goes to, to a lot of places in that classic rock register but then i think his incredible ability to some to at times be axel rose sometimes be serge tankian sometimes be devin townsend i think that gives the band license to lean into what i would call blues punk which is to mm. say there there is definitely a punk energy all the way through it but then they lean into the kind of heavy blues of early sabbath but then towards the end of the album take that even further that song like vile breed i mean that's basically a sludge song just not at you know four bpm so mm. that's quite nice um and then uh one that i particularly like in terms of just a moment on the album there's a bit towards the end of shifting sands where it all drops out and then georgie goes whoa and it kicks back in and it's well it's you think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire by Queens of the Stone Age, isn't it? And that it's is got, exactly what it is. That is, it is exactly, exactly what it is. What it is. Yeah. And it feels yeah, yeah. as good as that kicking back in with Nick Oliveri's vocals, but this time it's Georgie Valentine, who's definitely a better vocalist than Nick Oliveri because he is impressive. Like As I say, I think it would be unfair to focus solely on him because the band around him are excellent, but I think his ability, as I say, it gives them the license to go to different places rather than just doing 11 classic rock songs or 11 punk songs or whatever and there's bits of grunge in there i think there's there's a grungy feel to something like monster crunch um huge riff soaked in distortion on rabbit hole which is really brooding and lurking and muscular um and then big bad which is like i said it's like judas priest by way of chuck berry being played by the melvins it's like it's heavy I, i'm i'm all in I'm really yeah. impressed with this. I think this is great. I do, I've seen Mother Vulture that once saw them at Art Tangent earlier this year. I don't know if this quite captures their kind of live, wide-eyed, mad energy, 
but it's not far off. I mean, for a debut album, I think this is a really, really strong first impression for, for anyone who hasn't heard them yet. I think this is really good. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, I, let's just get it out straight away. I mean, again, I, I am really, I want to see these songs live. In fact, actually, I've had the chance to see Mother Vulture a few times recently. We've been playing in, like, not that close to my local area, but close enough for me to get there. But for whatever reason... I've just not been able to go on the, you know, on the day or whatever, like it's been close enough, but then I'm just like, oh, fucking some shit's come up. And so I still want to, sorry about that, lad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I do really, really, really want to see them again because they were fucking brilliant when I saw them. There is shit on here that you wouldn't, I mean, the first song's called Fame of Fortune and it's a rager. It's got all the shit. That, when, when that came in, I was like, oh, thank fuck. Because yeah. it's got big riff, glammy, sort of stomping, Riff. And when I say glam, I don't mean Motley Crue, and I don't Poison, mean yeah. mud or anything. You know, I'm I, I mean fucking, you know, the New York Dolls is what I mean. Like it's mm. got that that sort of shit going to it, and it still sounds dirty. It sounds ragged and dirty, and the vocals are authentically odd sounding. He's got an authentically odd sounding voice. It's quite mm. a high register, but he can do some guttural stuff, like you said, do some actual screaming. He's like a big angry glam rock jason perry from a which is <laughs> don't don't put that on the poster lads sorry sorry um but monster crunch i mean you know like you talk about garage rock and you know i've mentioned the mc5 in conjunction with band a lot i think i was doing a kind of mc5 but with perry farrell from um james mm. addiction on vocals was one of the things i said mixed with like the bronx or whatever but death from above 1979 that's the type of garage rock that i'm talking about that kind of highly uh that kind of discoized really really rumbling hard rock mm. fucking raging shit like it's it's great you've got gang vocals on um on parts of it you've got big strutting but there's a the beat that kind of struts out on honey yeah uh, is is really good you mentioned shifting sounds which i've put as uh, this is queens of stone age with nick olivieri um you know the mc again the mc5 there's a song on it called put me down which takes a little while to ex it shows a bit of dynamic range as well mm. it takes a little while to explode but when it does the chorus is massive and the vo verses sort of seethe in the same way that soundgarden used to and that is a that is a, a massive comparison to fucking soundgarden i mean this is exactly what i hoped they would do this is exactly what i hoped they would do i wasn't sure they would fully go for it but I think they have. And I do think this will sound better live. They mm. are mad good live. They are mad, mad good live. And um, I did sort of think to myself, will they be one of those bands who are really, really great live? And then you listen to the record and the record's like, oh, you know, the record's kind of, is decent, but it doesn't sound as well. And, I, you know, I probably shouldn't have just thought that. Do you know what I mean? But you always kind of fear that a little bit. Yeah, when, yeah. You know, I think they played like Rambling Man and stuff and you're like, oh God, well, you know, they might get a chance to play with, shine down or something they might go oh, I need to make <laughs> to make us fit in better with shine down fans we'll be a little bit more sort of calm and a bit more measured and this is not calm and it's no. not measured at all and they need to be getting on with death and above 1975 and 1979 and you know we spoke about the the ulrich brothers um, yeah tapai houston that would be a tapai good houston. tour yeah, yeah that would be a, and that would be a fucking perfect tour for them and i think um tapai houston should probably not try and follow mother vulture i would suggest no, probably not probably uh, and then not. actually say <laughs> if you're in a band and you're thinking about bringing mother vulture out on tour I, I, I would say definitely do it but do be aware that 
You're going to have to work quite hard. <laughs> You're going to have to work very, very fucking hard to show them up. And with these songs now, uh, this could be a thing. Yeah, I think I, this could I be a really thing. So. So. I think this could be a thing. You know, like I would love to. Like, I, you know, I've sort of gone. Like, oh, you know, the 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 kind of the the old school retro rock crowd. But I mean, I would love to see them embrace a band like this. Really, mm. Ima- you know? imagine this at like at download. Like maybe first thing on the main stage. I know they're not quite there yet in terms of profile and stuff like that. But I think musically there'd be enough there to appeal to those people because it has got that classic rock sensibility and. I'm sure plenty of them would turn their nose up at it. But as you say, I reckon there might be some Blackstone Cherry fans who might one day want to find something a bit harder and they might really go for Mother Vulture. But equally, they can play at Art Tangent, they can play at 2000 Trees. Um, I mean, I think probably not Outbreak or Damnation, but there, there aren't many festivals in the UK that I don't think they could in some way fit onto. You can get them at mm. Reading and Leeds, you can probably get them at Glastonbury on kind of like the Shangri-La stage or something like that, where they would yeah. probably be one of the lighter bands, but they'd still fit in well. I mean, to be honest, you saw, talking about getting them on tour with Tapai Houston. I think get the two of them and Death Room Above 1979 on a stadium tour or a reader tour with Royal Blood. I think they've all got that bass-heavy, syncopated mm-hmm. style to them that, yeah, lends from that classic rock of the sort of 1970s and onwards. Brilliant. Mm. Have it. Love it. Royal Blood would look like... Uh, pathetic cowards on that on that tour though unfortunately oh yeah they would they would sink like a stone but not amongst their own well the thing they wouldn't would they because all of their their fans would go and watch them go that was brilliant and they go why are you playing so loud to all the other bands does he have to shout so much yeah Um, anyway that was very judgmental of us wasn't it yeah that's why we're here, everyone. Absolutely. That's what Being we do. Being pricks. Uh, <laughs> Elitist still a, wankers. Still elitist pricks. You can't take that away from us, I'm afraid. Anyway, Mother <laughs> Vulture and the Mother Knows Best is out now. Let's wrap this whole podcast up. We saved the, the best till last. The best till last. Um, Faith in the Future by Louis Tomlinson. The second solo album from the former One Direction ear. The follow-up to his 2020 debut album, Walls, which I haven't heard. And maybe if I had heard, maybe we wouldn't be talking about this album. Right now. <laughs> obviously, he's got some way to go before he catches up with Harry Styles in terms of profile. Mm-hmm. Although he is already ahead of Zayn Malik. They were the, he was the one who thought he was going to be huge. Yeah. Didn't really happen. Howard Donald of, uh, of One Direction. <laughs> Unlucky, um, mate. Now, look, th- here's the thing, right? So you might be going, are you really covering Louis Tomlinson? Well, two things. Yes, we are. Because like we have established, we'll do... Whatever we feel like we think is will be an interesting conversation and it doesn't matter what type of music it is. So yes, yes, we are doing Louis Thompson. Second of all, yes, we're doing Louis Thompson because Harry Styles' recent album and his recent recorded solo output has shown, as has The Green Man by Mark Owen from back in the day, has shown <laughs> that just because you're, yeah, you're in a boy band, and so it's justified by Justin Timberlake, just because you're in a boy band doesn't mean you can't release good solo music and put good solo albums out and become a decent solo artist. And in fact, Louder, what I write for, put a thing up going, oh, you should listen to the new Louis Tomlinson song because it's a kind of an electro rock banger. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe it is. I'll go in with an open mind. And I listened to it and I thought, yeah, this is not a bad song. And the thing with Faith in the Future, broadly speaking, is I would say that there are a couple of all right songs on this record. There are Mm -hmm. a couple of decent enough songs. And I think Louis Tomlinson has made an album 
showcasing a set of influences which are the sort of things that i think both sam and i would say yeah good no definitely like those are good influences good for you for liking quite good music but let's be real here this is a pretty boring record isn't it it is so bland and to be honest i mean you say he's he's clearly taking from some um influences that we would say are good i would say yeah um, I mean, there's definitely a bit of Britpop to it that I don't necessarily go for, but I know you would be sort of more inclined to enjoy the sort of work of the Gallagher brothers and stuff like that on some of the stadium choruses that he's uh, attempting with the strings. More stereophonics on this, I think. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and then, you know, there are bits where, well, I mean, there are bits where it could be a bit like the Killers, who we have established have a really, really good album, but it feels like, Louis Tomlinson is pulling from kind of post day and age the killers, particularly on a song like Bigger Than Me, the acoustic ballad that it is that is just fucking shite, to be honest. It's so Not rubbish. That, it? Um yeah. it it's like post day and age killers without the charm of Brandon Flowers passable vocals. It's dross from Snow Patrol, basically. Um yeah, there are there are a couple of songs that I don't mind on here. We'll get to them because first I want to laugh it out of my system. Because uh, I've said, Arctic Monkeys called and they want to know where you found a B-side from their second album that they didn't think was worth taking beyond the demo stage. That one's What's... fucking uh, out of my system, that song. Fucking shit. Sounds like Arctic Monkeys. Oh, right. It is an Arctic Monkeys riff. But it's got Louis Tomlinson's weird kind of haphazard vocal where he can't decide if he wants to be an American rock star or a kind of lad from Yorkshire. It's like watching an interview with Harry Styles talking about cinema. It's that kind of <laughs> disjointed and disconnected. Um, yeah, Saturdays, the deer of nothingness. Um, what is the point of that song? That is for Slow Patrol fans who think they get a bit too exciting too often. Um, it sounds bad. It just sounds bad. It's um, got a siren going off in the background. And I actually found myself, my favourite bit of that song is that <laughs> there's a siren. You thought the emergency the services were coming to save you. Yeah, cut, cut you like, out of your headphones. I mean, yeah, there's some like out of my system is like flat pack indie landfill, isn't it? Mm. It is like so you've 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 ordered an IKEA fucking razor light song, um, and and here it is. Yeah, I mean, look, there's. I actually thought the opening song was quite good. I actually uh. thought I was like, I was like it's actually a bit of a kind of electro rock banger and i was like this is all right and then he really sounds like ollie sykes on the second so the second song's yeah. been written all over your face and although the music sounds like hard fi it does because it stars of cctv he, isn't it yeah because he's got that like proper like fucking chef like i fucking all right he's doing all that it's actually grown on me quite a lot i mean it's not a particularly good song but because he he goes full like ollie sykes being like what are you doing like (laughs) i actually quite liked it it was really (laughs) bigger than me where i was like whoa this is boring this um there's a few chicago very very dull like proper proper just really proper middle of the road like that exactly when you say to me like uh, someone from a boy band has released a solo album chicago is would go ping that's exactly what would go in my head um i mean i never thought i'd say that a louis tomlinson song needs to hit harder but (laughs) there's a song called silver tongues and it's got a nice piano part on it and i'm just like i'm not like this is actually 
this has got the 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 bones of a good song mm. right but it needs to hit harder the production is so weedy it's like if jamie t wrote a song when he was in kindergarten and played it on like fisher price instruments yeah on a xylophone that's what, that's what this would be and i think like it's not a bad song that i was going this is a good song but like just turn the distortion up a little bit mm. get those drums to hit a little bit harder give it a bit more fucking oomph in the 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 delivery and i think you've actually got a good song there so look, i don't think this is completely without any merit whatsoever and i think louis tomlinson would be someone who i would be able to sit down with and he'd say like yeah oh i like the first killers album i like the arctic monkeys oh i like jamie t oh i like um sheffield bands and i wanted to write a kind of electro rock song uh and an album um but i also wanted to sort of at least sort of hold the hands of my former ha- fans and bring them along a little bit with me but show that i was a bit more mature and yada 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 mm. and i would go yeah, yeah i understand all that and fine and it's not a complete and utter like one out of ten disaster this no but it's it's not very good it might be like a four out of ten um there, there is one song on it i like and it's not even because of the song itself but more the feel of it which is um I think people. You... No. <laughs> no. I saw that in the in the track list and I was like, you better be fucking careful, Louie. You better be fucking careful with that. Uh look, and it's he, not he a cover. Wasn't, was he? Yeah, no. It's not a cover. But to it be is fair, a self satisfied acoustic ballad with some quite cheesy quarrel backing in it yeah. as well. I don't need that. And the fact that it never builds from anything, you know, it starts at nothing and ends at nothing plus half a percent. It's like, well, that's basically as diametrically opposed to the dynamism of Common People by Pulp as it's possible to be. So fine, fair enough. My my favourite track on it is, um, which I think you'll hate, uh, Face the Music. It's got weird sort of blown out, like weirdly blown out blasts of kind of more muscular instrumentation, but they're kind of, it sounds like they've come through a blown out speaker. It is well killers. I kept expecting the chorus for Spaceman to come out, um, but it didn't. Um, I don't think it's totally awful, and hence it is my favourite, in that it's got a kind of kitsch end of act two of a Disney Channel movie appeal to it, where I feel like Louis Tomlinson has written a song that could soundtrack um, Brad insisting that he take Vanessa to the prom after the big game, and it doesn't matter what his parents think about his varsity scholarship, because love is love. So I quite like that one for that, so... I was going to bring, I wasn't going to bring that particular song up, but I was going to bring the producers of that song up because everything that I look at on this record, um, I mean, actually they did written all over your face, which I think is quite good, but face the music, Chicago angels fly, which is angels fly is probably the worst one. I think that, that was the one where I was like, that was the one actually, sorry, just a quick side. Um, People have a go at really big rock bands for not having an editing team uh, and just surrounding themselves with yes men. I think whatever team Louis Tomlinson surround himself aren't even, you know, capable of cognizant thought, let alone just saying yes. They're like the nodding bird drinking things, I think. Well, let's name and shame the cunts then. Red Triangle, the production That's team. not her name. Oh, okay. I thought that was a person. <laughs> Rick Parkhouse and George Tizard have worked with Westlife. Listen, look at this for a Westlife, David Guetta, James Arthur, Charlie Puth, don't know much about them. The Struts. Five Seconds of Summer. Cheryl. Little Mix. Fine. Yeah. Ruth Lorenzo. Sure. Um, The Vamps. No. The Saturdays. Fine. Union J. 
oh my god fleur east i don't know much about her but fine and then some people called um uh the lovable rogues they probably who, aren't lovable i bet who were on right britain who on, on britain's got talent i, I didn't know who they were yeah. uh uh, and um, apparently they worked with Green Day as well. That does not surprise me, actually. That yeah. does not surprise me. So going down, the, the, I'm trying to see if they've done anything which I like in any way. So about 2012, they started doing the stuff that they did. Sitting on Top of the World by Alexandra Burke. No. Um, they, they've not done the best Saturday song, but they did Scouting for Girls they've Ooh. worked with. Um, I'm looking down. Uh, 808 by Saturdays is, is all right, actually. Did all the Cheryl stuff. Famps. I mean, they've done... They've done... Still Breathing by Green Day on Revolution Radio, which I don't remember that song, but God, not good at all. I'm looking down, looking down. They did Everlasting with Take That. I don't actually know that song. They've done a few of the new Westlife stuff. A Ronan Keating song as well. The Hunter. Um, they haven't done anything. Anything. Good. Give it all up by Craig David. Like they've literally, <laughs> they've got a massive, massive co-production and co-writing credits that go on from 2012 to now, mm. and nothing is good. Even when they work with the the good artists like Little Mix, right? Uh, it's not even one of their well-known songs. It's like a a fucking album track or whatever, and they do. Like about half this record yeah and i just think they're a bit shit i think they're like that th- they are no fucking great sort of production team no 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 because so, it doesn't sound very good for a lot of it like you'd think it, for an x one direction member you'd think he'd have a better production yeah, I mean, they've got like seven... Yeah, they've got like half of the songs are produced by this Red Triangle. And I, and it it like, it just doesn't sound... It just doesn't sound good. It like, sounds you know I mean? like, badly. It sounds pretty boring. And it's, it's a frustrating halfway... Because it's like, he's obviously gone, I want to make a sort of indie album. Um, and I don't want to make it like... A sort of a pop album but it's like well if you made it a pop album made it really really poppy you'd have to write better, much better songs but if you're going to make it an indie album if you're going to make it a kind of like say as Arctic Monkeys indie mm. sort of album like you best actually fucking you know make it sort of hit production wise with those artists and it just it just doesn't it doesn't do either so yeah it's uh it's not good this it's no. a shame because I wasn't, I don't want to like, you know, I've just gone, ha, we're snobs we are. But like, and we probably sound like it by going, huh, the guy from One Direction, his rubbish, his rubbish album. Um, but then Harry's House was, was really good earlier this year. But it's Harry's not, it's not like we're shitting really on him because he's from One Direction. We're shitting on it because it's rubbish. It is, and it, and it is quite rubbish. Sorry. Sorry, Louis. Sorry. Uh, you don't give a fuck. And I know loads of mad people are gonna, just going to go, ah, he's brilliant. He's the best. Mm. And then, probably post like spotify stats and stuff uh, <laughs> alongside him but i mean actually i would be interesting to see how many go on let's have like, a live listeners count. Should, should we should we have a little look at what he gets on so he get well, fuck me five million one hundred thirty seven thousand six hundred sixty one monthly listeners and out of my system uh has got 13 million three hundred and one plays 
that's like two minutes and 17 i mean that is probably that is actually one of the old red geezers songs and i think that's probably one of the like i said it's one of my favorite ones on and the bar's not that high but it's one of my favorite so yeah like, i don't mind that song i don't mind that song 13 million listens when you look at old harry styles i mean I mean, as uh, it was, it has got to be in the like hundreds of millions. Yeah, he's got, got sixty-six be. million plus listeners, and yeah. as it was, has like one and a half billion. One well, billion, Jesus Christ! He only what? came out this year. Fucking watermelon sugar has got two billion. Fuck me! That fucking is a lot. Hell. That is that is a lot. That's a landslide, isn't it? That's a landslide. <laughs> You know how there's only five people in one direction. (laughs) Just the two million listens, not many. (laughs) For me last night. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Faith in the future. I haven't got much faith in your future, to be honest, Louis. Sorry about that, mate. But Louis Thompson, that's got got him. It's been out a little while. Don't know why we reviewed that. Ridiculous. Anyway, next week, we'll be back. We're going to be talking about Stormzy. He's got a new album out. Hell yeah. So we'll be doing the Stormzy album um, and other things. Might have a guest again. Another mm. guest at the moment, don't we? Oh, yeah. Can't get enough but of them. I, I do, anyway. I don't know about Sam sounding a bit sarcastic. I've been enjoying like it. This. No, no, I have been enjoying it. It's just a shame that <sighs> Andy Cairns, a musician I really admire and respect, had to watch me squirm talking about football like a fucking moron last week. So, But there we go. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm sure you did. I'm going to get... Um, <laughs> Greg, Greg Pichato on <laughs> and make you talk about how to make a souffle or something like that, something you know nothing I'd, about. I'd be, I'd be better at that than talking you about. You probably would, to be fair. The, the World Cup. <laughs> All right, sweet. Anyway, well, speaking of the World Cup, I'm going to go and watch, I don't know who's on that. It was Switzerland Cameroon, if you're interested. Oh, uh, the Clash who, of the is, Titans. Is who I missed earlier. That's very disrespectful to a very good Swiss side who won 1-0, I think. So anyway, um, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>